Hey, Star Wars fans and Rule of the Galaxy fans. It's one of those weeks. It's gaming. It's game talk week. It's it's movie talk week. We're going to hit it all. It's Dave Doc here, also known as D-Doc on Rule of the Galaxy podcast. And I'm here with Jake James Lugo. I think this is maybe our sixth show together. I, I think don't we're at know. Six at this point. We're losing count at this point, which is kind of cool. To mm-hmm. me. Yeah. So, well, I appreciate how are you doing, man? I'm good, man. Thank, thank you for having me again. Thank you for chatting it up with it comes to games and star wars and everything else there's a lot to chat about now ever since the whole summer games fest like actually finished there's a there's been a lot of things happening all over the place yeah that's i've been i've been following your um i've been following your twitter feed honestly it's funny because i for like these game announcements and everything now i'll just go to your feed rather than even trying to follow the summer like i'll i'll see summer games fest stuff and everything but like i'll just i'll be like all right what's uh what's jake james lugo sharing on the feed he's gonna be updating on pretty much everything so i got you because i'm usually following a lot of this stuff as it happens or i'm like right on around the time frame where things are like fresh for everybody because you know like some people just they get the stuff late you know because they're busy with other things but don't worry i'm here i got you yeah yeah, so I mean, there's been a lot of news. I mean, we had Star Wars Outlaws dropped, which I yep. was just like revealed finally for the first time. I didn't expect that to be the case because I thought I was talking about it with someone prior to Summer Game Fest, and I kept saying like, "There's no way that Ubisoft is going to show this now." Like, I know they mentioned it earlier in the year that sometime later this year we'd see it, but I didn't think they're going to reveal it in the fashion that they did and the time that they did. Though we might probably might get it towards the Game Awards because that seemed like a Game Awards announcement to me exactly and one one thing i was thinking as well is before we even start diving into what we've seen in this game and everything because i mean this is huge news i wasn't ready for it at all um i saw people like commenting yay an open world star wars game and then oh man uh ubisoft is making it like never mind you know like what do you know like if people like any hate towards them, like any reason. This is a weird thing because number one, we've all known about this Ubisoft Star Wars game for a while because they told us they were making it. This was way like what, over a year and a half ago, maybe longer, give or take. I remember talking about it on social media and in other places about this. Uh, And I knew the team because they said it, it was massive entertainment, massive entertainment for anybody that doesn't know is the same group of people that did the, was it the division games? You know, the division, the division two. So if you play their games, you've got a good idea of what to kind of expect here. But with this being an open world Star Wars game, which, by the way, they came out and said it was the first open world Star Wars game. And they kind of corrected themselves a little bit. It's the first Ubisoft open world Star Wars game, which makes sense. Uh, I had to look that up at one point. I got into a back and forth a little bit with Echo Base Network because we were talking about, you know, on social media where 
was like they he was saying like oh it's false they're lying it's not the first open world star wars game and it's like well we got to define open world star wars game because a lot of people kept bringing up knights of the old republic people kept bringing up star wars galaxies people also brought up star wars jedi survivor which i understand there's open world elements to those games but when i looked it up and i went and did some research those are not classified as open world games they just have open world elements to them which it gets really technical. It's really stretching stuff. Personally, for me, if I had it my way, I would still call them open world games because you could go to various different places at various times and you don't really explore. But really, open world game really means that you could go anywhere at any time. So an, an example of this, the better examples and comparisons would be Elden Ring, would be Breath of the Wild, Tears of the Kingdom, Horizon Zero Dawn, Horizon Forbidden West, uh, Red Dead Redemption, games along those lines that are more open worlds where they're built where it's like a giant sandbox in, in in a way, but you have a variety of different places you could go to at almost any time. Like you're still guided in a sense, but you're not guided in a very strong sense where it's just one narrative. You're able to go into multiple spots and even not even follow the main quest, you know, on, on your own time and just really explore. That's what this game is going to be, Star Wars Outlaws. So I kind of, again, back and forth with them a little bit. And a lot of people seem to be, you know, all over the place with it. But if we're really defining like what an open world game is, that's what Star Wars Outlaws would be. That would make it the first uh, Star Wars game that's built to be an open world game like this with intention like that. The other thing, yeah. too. Oh, I'm sorry. Go go ahead. Like, so, because again, there's a lot to get in with this. Yeah, no, like, uh, as you're saying that, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, <laughs> I feel like Jedi Survivor is technically like open world. But then as you were talking, like, it does make sense. It's like I start off Grand Theft Auto and I could technically go one end of the map to the other without even doing a single mission right exactly. off the rim from the game. I could just get That's in a car Grand Theft Auto start doing whatever you like want. That. Grand Theft Auto was made like that. That's an open world game. And granted, there's still areas of progression where you can't go to like the second island in Vice City or something until you pass like a certain mission. But mm -hmm. you still have like this sense of open freedom for it. You know, No Man's Sky is another example of that, which again, it's a, it's got open world elements, even though it's more procedurally generated and it's got other things going on with it. Uh, but the other thing too I want to touch on, and I'm pretty sure you saw this as well, was this idea that there was a backlash for this game and i thought that was stupid because i looked around and there were people talking stirring the pot on social media as normal with anything involving games involving star wars involving entertainment and such but then i saw all these articles start popping up like the one happening this morning with kotaku about how the star wars community was having a massive backlash and that they were rejecting this game because of the female protagonist or because it's ubisoft and i'm like what is it with you guys making mountains out of molehills like, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you could probably see like three <laughs> comments like that were, you know, probably idiot comments from someone who probably doesn't even mean it. They're probably just like, I'm just going to say this just to rile people up. Yeah. They just stir in the pot. Like, <laughs> and, and the thing is, is that you, and I even made a whole big long Twitter post about this. Everybody who's watching this now or listen to this later, you could go see it on my Twitter. It's still there where I made this whole post about, look, this uh, Kotaku article which really like they're trying to make the point that we could use more female protagonists in Star Wars and in games in general, which is fine. That's one conversation. But what they're trying to do is they're trying to make a generalized statement and put a generalization on Star Wars fans specifically here saying that they just don't like female protagonists, that we've had so many male protagonists in all these other games when it really shouldn't matter how many of each one that we get, as long as the games are good. Like mm -hmm. if you want to say, oh, we got like uh, Cal Kestis, we got Kalkatarn, we got Dash Rendar and all these other games. And so that's already way too many. Now we need a female protagonist. Like that's a stupid 
argument and a stupid stance to take. Like as long as the games are good. And the other thing too, I don't know if you caught this because I said it in my Twitter thing. They actually got stuff wrong factually in their article. They said that the only female-led protagonist uh, Star Wars games out there was Star Wars Battlefront 2 with Iden Versio, was Star Wars Jedi, uh, Jedi Starfighter, which is, I forgot her name at the moment, but it's the main character you play in there. And yes. also uh, Star Wars Jedi Knight Mysteries of the Sith, which you play as Mara Jade in that expansion. They said those are the only three. You want to know what they forgot? And and they're, they're kind of like stupid because it feels like someone just did a Google search or just heard something from a friend and didn't actually play this game. Star Wars Lethal Alliance that was on the PSP. That's a female-led Star Wars game, which, by the way, for anybody that doesn't know, that's a game that's about the same story as Rogue One prior to Rogue One actually being made. It's about how the Rebels got the Death Star plans before Episode Four which also happens to coincide with Jedi Knight, which was uh, Kyle Katarn at the same time. But you just play as this Twilight, Twilight female that's doing another mission alongside Kyle Katarn while he's off doing his own thing. You know, that's another game that they just completely forgot. They said there was no other ones. It's like, if you're going to be making this argument, if you're going to be making these points, you're going to do your research because that's a quick Google search. <laughs> like, it's yeah. out there. Star And Star Wars fans, by the way, had no problem with that game. Even though the game wasn't all that great design-wise and quality-wise, it was on the PSP. It was kind of meh for what it was at the time. But Star Wars fans weren't backlashing because of a female protagonist. They weren't doing the same thing with Iden Versio back in Star Wars Battlefront 2 in 2017. And the same thing also for Mara Jade. I mean, how many people have wanted Mara Jade to make a comeback in canon for so long? Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's these stupid arguments that I felt like have no real weight to them that, that yeah. are being thrown out there and just generalizing people. Yeah, no, I, I I definitely agree with that because honestly, like in my opinion, Star Wars has had a history of having strong female roles from day one. I mean, you have Princess yeah. Leia, you could go to the prequels and you have Padme and I just feel like Star Wars has always had, they've you know, there's balance in the force. I feel like Star Wars has always been pretty balanced as far as everything goes. And yeah, it, it's like, you know what it is, is it's like uh, mm -hmm. even like similar to Hogwarts Legacy. It's like controversy puts your game's name in the headlines. And it's like, you know, you let's, know something? let's create a fake controversy <laughs> and and, you know, get try to get people talking about this. Like, Well, I don't think annoying. that was the case with Hogwarts Legacy. Like, I don't think well, they, that's were true. For that. <laughs> that's you know, they true. weren't really asked for that. The problem with that and even with this is that the outlets that are writing these editorials and publishing them, they're the ones fishing for that. The real reason why that Kotaka article exists is literally just a fish for clicks because the statements that they do make from there, they not only don't even point to specific backlash that was on social media that they're trying to cite. You know, I, I even had a, a response. We were talking before we started recording where someone that, you know, saw my tweets about this article were saying like, oh, you're wrong. It's a quick search and you could see all this stuff. It was like, well, that's not my job to make that. That should be the article's job to point to the stuff that's their supporting info. They're going to make such a statement like that. You know, if there's such a backlash, you should be able to easily find all that and cite examples, right? Because I'll tell you right now, unlike them, I would argue, okay, I know this is a very conceited argument. Unlike that writer and a lot of the people over there that are pushing that article, I can say firsthand, like, I've immersed myself in the Star Wars community where I could go talk to people. I mean, I'm even on this podcast right now, you know, talking to you, talking to other Star Wars fans that will listen in the times that I've been on this show. And even in other places on social media, I've gone to watch parties. I've gone on was at different forums and gone onto different discord servers and listening and reading what some of the star Wars fans are saying. And to be honest with you, a lot of them are not backlashing about this. They're not mad about it. There's some that are indifferent. 
I think there's reasons to be indifferent about this game that are valid as much as people might not want to hear that, you know, with Ubisoft being the, the developer and the publisher, massive entertainment, uh, the fact that it's an open world Star Wars game that also is taking place within the original trilogy timeline, which should be awesome. But for some people, it feels like they're kind of fishing for nostalgia. I can understand that. Like some of the arguments are stronger than others, but really in reality, the majority of fans and the majority of people that watch those showcases, both the Ubisoft and the Xbox showcase when they first showed it, were like, yo, this seems really interesting because there's this game is doing things like we'll get into specifically uh, that a lot of Star Wars fans have asked for a very long time. And it's like, I don't see why you're going to focus on such a small subset of people on social media saying that they speak for these volumes of other people that are like, you know, not feeling that. Like, that's so silly to me. It's so dumb. Yeah. yeah. And it, like, I will say when I heard the concept of open world Star Wars, and this is not me really, ha I don't, I didn't even think twice about the main character of the game. I was just like, okay. I mean, I don't have any problem with female Star Wars characters. I mean, Jyn Erso yeah. is one of my favorite. Jyn Erso is one of my favorite Star Wars characters randomly. Like I, I just, she's like, I'm just a big fan of her. Um, <clears throat> but I did think that this game was going to just be like a create your player from the start. Like that was I don't know one where thing people that got I, that from. That, that's a funny thing. Cause again, I followed this, this game up until its announcement now, uh, since they first revealed they were working on a game, they never once said anything like that. Like yeah. I think people in various different pockets and groups assume that. Because of maybe they thought because of the division, because the division, I think you get a level of customization in there, but they never once said anything like that. And I think it's a very strong straw man's argument to say that, oh, we wanted to see a, a creative character type of Star Wars game for a while. But like, where was that same type of sentiment when we were getting Jedi Survivor or Jedi Fallen Order? I mean, this is a game about a character within the Star Wars universe. Yeah. And it's almost the exact same type of thing that Cal Kestis got with Fallen Order and Survivor. So there should be no problem there. I feel like a lot of the people that are making that argument and a lot of the stuff that, you know, not you, but like other like social media and places on TikTok, they're saying that because they still want to stir the pot because they just want to see like people's reactions and stuff. Cause, and it gives those other people that are making the, the other side of the bad arguments more ammunition just to keep things going because it's, it's just a dumb argument to my opinion. Yeah, no, I agree. And I had that thought literally like, I just had that thought without even reading anything was I was just like, Oh, it'll probably just be like a creative character. And you run around. Like I didn't even, I thought that before even reading anything about it. But then when I watched the first trailer, I was like, Oh nice. We're getting a story out of this. Like, you yeah, know, I, which like, is dope. <laughs> yeah. Original trilogy too, between empire and return of the Jedi, you know, which is cool. Yeah, I agree. And uh, Neo Starling just commented and said, looking forward to checking out Star Wars Outlaws. Hey, what up, Neo? I know Neo. I know Neo. We, we, we've done on. panels with, together before. Yeah, Star Wars Outlaws is going to be dope. I, I was really, I was intrigued and I was pleased with the, the so much that we got to see because I didn't expect that much to be shown, let alone gameplay. I mean, if they, they announced a game and then they got gameplay to show us, like, I mean, what better showcase can you really ask for for a game? Like, I was even watching Angry Joe like his reaction to the showcase. And he was like, Oh, look at this. We got gameplay. Like, this is, this is interesting. Like if you could make that guy happy, you know, over something that he's just like angry all the time, I think you're, you're doing pretty good so far. Yeah. Credit to the folks over there at Ubisoft too, for not, you know, leaking at like any of these gameplay, you know, you know, you know, better than everyone, everything people leak, people spoil things constantly yeah. anymore. Yeah. And it's funny enough. It did not leak, which is cool. Like, it was yeah. very, very cool. Good for them on that. So we were talking earlier about bringing up some of the gameplay on this game. 
Yeah. And, um, you know, if you guys are listening to podcasts, we're going to be talking about what we're seeing in it. But you should also check out the YouTube because we're going to be bringing this stuff up on YouTube. And it just makes it a better experience for the podcast. I'm going to let this ad play out before I bring it up on the screen. Yeah. The, like those ads, they they still they still have everybody just still watching stuff when uh what is it even though they're like you know subscribing and stuff or like YouTube Red or yeah I think it's like YouTube Red or anything like that or premium like they can still see it without the ad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I need honestly YouTube Premium is something that I think I'm gonna get. Because... I have it. It's it's a godsend. Like you yeah. don't realize how much it's actually helpful until you don't have it anymore, which is funny. Like. <laughs> Yeah, I, I uh, I'm sick of watching commercials all the time, and honestly, I've realized now that like 75 percent of my TV watching is on YouTube because it's so geared to towards what I want to see and learn yeah. about. You know, yep. I feel so, you. Let's get this gameplay up here now. Now, question: When you watched the gameplay and stuff, did you see the the announcement and the gameplay and the commentary, or you just saw like one specific thing? I watched the cinematic announcement and i watched probably a couple minutes of the gameplay and then i was just like you know what i'll just save this for the podcast and just react yeah. to it as where because um, i saw everything because right after that gameplay showcase at ubisoft forward they did a developer commentary that actually talking over the gameplay and there was even more details in there that, that's that why I th this may be this may be that <laughs> no that's not it that's a reaction to it oh this that's is a reaction the new open world gameplay walkthrough, I think it is. It depends on where you go. Because I know you could go to Ubisoft that has it specifically. There you go. That's the world okay. premiere trailer. That's the that's the CG one. I don't think that, that's not the gameplay one. But uh, What am I doing? One I'm dropping the, the ball The other one here. that they had there was the gameplay one. Okay, right. Like <laughs> three different videos. Because one of them has the developer commentary where they're literally like stopping and saying like, what's what? Where they could reveal. Like they were talking about uh, going to different planets. They were talking about uh, Kay and Nix's uh, story stuff, or at least what's related to it. They talked about other gameplay elements like the blaster, like different blaster elements you could get, uh, some of the stuff that you could be using in the open world or finding. Yeah, this is the gameplay walkthrough. This is it. I don't know if this is the one with the commentary, but this this shows the gameplay, and if it's the walkthrough, the, uh, the devs talking. All right, so... Cool. Yeah, that's like, this is, I, I don't know if you remember the game from PS2 era called um, Beyond Good and Evil. Oh, no, it was, um, well, I mean, you could, you could go back to Commandos yeah. um, for it, where, where like in this scene coming up here, like this is where I was watching. Do you know the name of her little um, creature that she has Nyx. with her? Her Nyx. little creature is Nyx. He's a, I think it's pronounced a Morgul is his species. That uh, he's from another planet and stuff. He's like a rare, like little furry species, something like that. Okay. Yeah, like I saw in how she can kind of like guide him around. Yeah. And then yeah, we got. By the, the way, she's fighting too. the Pikes. This is the Pike Syndicate that she's uh doing a job against. Which is giving me Book of Boba Fett vibes, you know? Well, it's the same race, same group, but the like, keep in mind they were around for a while, so at least it's, it makes sense for them to be in the underworld. And so, yeah. this is what you were just talking about when Nix actually is used as a gameplay element that he could actually do stuff, you know, to help her out. Which that looks smooth as hell. Like, yeah, it reminds me of Rainbow Six or or Ghost Recon, where you could actually order your uh, your groups, or even like you mentioned, Republic Commando. Same idea with like the little holographic like little thing yep. first that pops up. Same idea. The first game I played like that was a, a, a war game on PS2. I want to say it was called like 
I, I don't think it was Band of Brothers, but it was something Brotherhood or something like that. Oh, um, oh my God. I, I got my visioning the box art that you have. It's, it's like a bunch of soldiers on there. It's got red on the cover a little bit. Yeah. Something like that. Now here, All this right. one's cool because this is when the stuff, when she gets found out, boom, she just shoots first. <laughs> that is awesome. Gun smoked. Yeah, pretty much. So this is where we start to see like actually like Gambit. This is what I was talking about with the different blasters. She has focus. That's for shielded enemies, I'm guessing. You know, because different enemies are going to need different blasters and stuff. Yeah, and that's an also, that's also an interesting element too is is this game being a non-Jedi, you know, protagonist too, because you're going to be fighting guys without a lightsaber, which is like yeah. kind of fun to me. It doesn't always need to be a lightsaber and everything, you know? Now, like, they were smart though. If they have DLC for this game, which I'm pretty sure they will, they'll give you like an ability to like, maybe like pick up and use a lightsaber, but like use a lightsaber, not as a Jedi, but as someone like a random person. Kind of Cause remember like in episode five, Han Solo picks up a lightsaber and saves Luke. You know, with uh, with the taunts on, but him, you could still swing a lightsaber if you're not a Jedi. So, imagine something like that, maybe using it as like a viral blade or something. Now, so this is when she she's going just to run out of ammo on that weapon. Well, that was a weapon she she picked she up. She picked or, up or, off or, the ground. Thing that she picked up, because remember, she picked up a, a weapon that Nix gave her, which is a blaster okay. from the pikes. Okay, so you're it's not like you're just going to be using a primary weapon. No, like you got be. weapons. Like they they were clear about that, like which is good. You could expect that because remember, like she's going up against the underworld or these different gangs and and uh, different organizations. So they're going to have various weapons that they probably stole from the empire, if not the rebellion too. Keep in mind because this is episode five and six. Yeah, that's wild. So this is when she's going into the open world now. Or at least that they're moving into the open world outside of that structure. What's cool here, and this makes sense for an open world game, is that she gets on a speeder and they get on swoop bikes, from my understanding. That's what people were saying. Like the ones that are going to pursue her here. This is when they're just like driving out in the open world now. Kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, something from like Red Dead or from uh, Horizon, where there's a lot of space to drive these things. Absolutely. <laughs> hey, look at this. This is dope. I know. I'm like, see, this is this like I watched the first couple minutes. I haven't seen. Oh man! Now this is an ability. This is an ability. They said that you will get other abilities like this to do stuff while you're driving and such. Comes a dead eye thing, which is cool. Very very cool. Now keep in mind, this is all real time where they're in game and she just drove away like that. And now she's going to the I think it's Juntai's Hope or yeah Juntai's Hope or whatnot in this uh in this planet, which is Toshanda. Which is this is a cantina. Kind of reminds me of the cantina area from Jedi Survivor on that planet. Dude, this map looks gorgeous. Honestly, I can't yeah. believe they've kept this hidden for a while. I mean, like we knew they were working on this, but like seriously, props to them for not leaking this footage. Yeah, look at that. You're driving in that reveal, dude. That's wild. Now. Jun Junta's Hope. Yeah, that's what it's called. The planet that you're on. And this demo is Toshara, but you're going to get to go to other plans, which I'm guessing I kept saying to people in that cinematic trailer reveal, I was calling this, well, this original planet, I was calling Tatooine. I was calling Bespin. I was calling Naboo. And I thought also Coruscant. So at least that's what it's on my mind, the places we might go to, but they didn't confirm what the other planets were. And this is her buddy, you know, ND5. That's her buddy. That's like her partner. 
He's a he's a commando droid from the Clone Wars. Yes, dude. Those commando droids, I love playing as them in Battlefront, man. They're like one of my favorite yeah. characters. Yeah, they're strong. And they're, they're vicious in Jedi Survivor, too, when you fight them. Oh, my God. But yeah, but this one, ND, ND5, he's a he's another bounty hunter. He's like a you know a smuggler or whatnot that's working with her. And now, here's the other thing, too, what they got into this with this cutscene, which you'll see it eventually. Uh, this actually has different options for dialogue that you have. Now, it doesn't change the outcome too badly, like like severely, but it does give different outcomes. Like you might either get less money, but you'll stay hidden, or you'll get more money and you might get wanted. Because remember, this is an Imperial officer that her, her client is dealing with here. So you could tell she's got the Imperial like little governor, little medals and stuff. Yeah. It'll pop up now. You'll notice it after the dialogue. Because remember, this is the, the criminal underworld and apparently... According to the devs, what they said in the commentary, uh, this place is all run by not only the Empire, but it's all the syndicates that are within there that they're using, you know, to keep things, you know, in line. You know, they're, they're, there's a lot of corruption going on. Dude, why do game developers write better stories than the stories on Disney Plus now? <laughs> I'm telling know, you, man. dude. I don't know. A lot I, of people are judging this. this. Judging this. Like, a lot of the nonsense that we heard that we were talking about before was based off of something like this scene because there's three different female characters in it. It's like, I don't think a lot of people were complaining about that. A select group of people were just making nonsense because look at all this stuff. Here you go. There goes the option. Bribe, do not bribe. bribe. Or not bribe. See? Now that choice, okay, is going to be a direct, is going to have a direct result right after this, right after this cutscene, you know, for what we're seeing and such, which I'm guessing we're going to be able to work with that client again multiple times in the game. And also there's a thing with your reputation with the different syndicates. Because after the mission, when she was driving back into town, it said Pike Syndicate reputation went down. That pops up. And now she got the credits, but watch this. After she leaves and she got all the money that she was promised, now the Empire, that, that Imperial officer, got her on the wanted list. So now she's wanted. So now you, if you run into the Empire, they're going to come looking for you and they're going to cause problems. Look at that. They even got a Lambda shuttle up there. Escape the Empire, see? Now you're going... This is her uh, ship now. It's called the Trailblazer. This is her official ship. That's that, a big boy. Well, yeah, it's, it's a freighter that, that you know, it's not made to be, like, as fast as, like, you know, an X-Wing or something, but it's it's got speed to it from what we're going to see here, which is cool, which is in the trailer. I know it's a little bit spoilers walking through the trailer for everybody. Like, this has been out for a minute. Yeah. But this is the... They even said in the developer commentary the exact model number it was, and I can't remember it. But it's in the commentary. But look at this seamless transition from planet to space, going straight into space. This we wanted this since Battlefront Three was canceled. Real talk. Seriously, this is all seamless, dude. This game is just gonna—it's gonna be like hours that you now she's in space, right? Look at that, and you could control your your freighter. You're in orbit of Toshara. You could control your ship. So now she's got problems. She got space combat. Like, Star Wars fans love stuff like this. Yes. This is Star Wars. This is what we want. Look at that. She's controlling her ship in space. By the way, they're playing on a, on a uh, Xbox controller, too, funny enough, because you can see the inputs there on the bottom, the different abilities and stuff. True. Because keep in mind, this was the Microsoft conference they revealed this. So imagine PlayStation inputs in there. That'd be hilarious. But yeah, so she's outrunning the Empire here, right? After this, she's going to jump to hyperspace right now. It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen this second. She's going to a planet called Akiva. See, oh, you got to wait a minute for the hyperdrive. She got hit. Now she's got to wait for the hyperdrive to calibrate and now goes right into light speed. Boom. 
which all of this for hardcore Star Wars fans, this is awesome because look at all that stuff that I even I just described like within the couple minutes. You got ground to planet, I mean, planet to space seamlessly. You got uh, speeder, like different vehicles you can control on the planet. You got different structures you can walk around in the open world. You got multiple planets and you got space travel and space combat. Like there's a lot going on here on top of this story, whatever it's going to be. Yeah, no, I, I think it's, I think it's intriguing, man. I mean, it's, I, I'm not going to say it's, you know, it's different, but it's also, it, it's, it's a mix of something, something new and something that we love, which I think is yeah. great. And what Star Wars fans want. Funny enough, the, the girl that's playing Kay here, the actress, I can't remember her name right now, but she did a whole little behind the scenes commentary thing after all this went out, which seems nice. Like she seems like she's really passionate about it. She was talking about the character. You know, saying that she's not perfect, but she's a smuggler. She's trying to survive. This world. Look at that. That looks like Tatooine to me. That looks yeah, like Tatooine. And then watch this. Watch this thing that pops up. So we're going to get boss fights, right? Imagine this. And that to me, that looks like Naboo. Or this looks like something similar to Naboo. This looks like Coruscant. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of places we're going to go to. Or that looks like Coruscant, too. And that looks like on some sort of Star Destroyer. Or some imperial structure. Yeah, like look at that. 2024, man. Bang. Now, let's be real. I don't think we're getting this early 2024. I don't think we're getting it that, around that time. I would say summer, if not the end of the year of 2024, as a safe bet. Because I bet you towards the end of this year at the game awards, we see this game again. Yeah. I think it looks I think it looks excellent, honestly. I'm yeah. I'm pretty blown away by that gameplay trailer. I mean, the cinematic trailer got me excited, but that gameplay looks great, man. Yeah, that looks good. Like overall, do you think like what they're trying to do? Do you think like it's it's interesting enough that as a Star Wars fan, even if you weren't a big Star Wars fan, would you pick this up? Absolutely. Honestly, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking my friends who are fringe Star Wars fans will probably play this too, actually. Yeah. Like guys who aren't even that into it, honestly, like might not play Battlefront, but like guys who are fans of like Red Dead Redemption, as you were saying, or like Grand Theft Auto type open world games, I could see them playing this game, honestly, too. So now, like, the other I, thing too, with that, right, based on what you just saw, do, are you disappointed by no customization for a custom character, no other type of protagonist or anything like that that was brought up by people? No, no. I didn't even think about that, honestly. No. Yeah. Yeah, see, that's my point. Like, I, when I first saw it and I finally finished seeing everything like that, I was saying, like, yo, this is a game that looks like it's going to do something interesting. Like, it's going to be really good as far as the ambition that they have with what they want to do. Because I think, like, it's good to have an open world sandbox like place. And with the Star Wars galaxy, we have multiple planets. Like, if, you could, if you're telling me I could go run around Tatooine, no problem. You, or I could go walk around. Uh, may, they didn't say it here, but if, imagine we get to go to Coruscant. We get to go to Naboo. Yeah, you know, during by the way, during original trilogy time frame when all this stuff is going on, because they confirmed its original trilogy between episode five and six, and they even show it in the trailer. Han Solo is in Carbonite, they're in the in the cinematic trailer. Yeah, like that's awesome to me. That's great. I, I totally agree. I mean, that's what when I when I saw that Carbonite, I was like, is that Han Solo? I'm like, are they going to be showing us like when his, I first like, thought? You know, I thought it was someone just there? like a random person, but like, no, they confirmed that's Han Solo. <laughs> Dude, that's wild. I, yeah. I'm I'm totally excited about it. And you know what, dude? I just recently went to the ICCC convention in Nashville, and it was the nice. first ever was convention. Yeah, it was great. 
first Star Wars, you know, obviously there's other people there, but it was, you know, it's a ton of Star Wars fans and everything. And it's like, once you're like within the vibe of a convention and everything, you just start talking to people you don't even know because you're yeah. all fans of the same thing. Everyone gets along. If you looked at like Star Wars, according to Twitter, at those conventions, it should technically be a battle royale. You know yeah, what like, I mean? Twitter <laughs> is not a representative representation of anything outside in the real world because even like at conventions down here for like, you know, Supercon or anything else like that, because we get a lot of conventions in South Florida and it's like, you would think it's like night and day. Like it's just, you know, not just Twitter because people go to Twitter because it's an easy target stuff, but social media in general, sometimes it's its own little bundle of bubbles and it's not representative of like what happens outside mm -hmm. because there's some people that I would see like controversies and all these other crazy pieces of news happen and talked about on Twitter. And then I'll meet people in real life and they just don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Like, or they don't care. It's like, what the hell that's got to do with anything? It's like with Ezra Miller with the flash, like a lot of people are just still going to go see that movie and not know or care about what was going on leading up to the movie release. Like it's complicated, but that's what happens. That's how real life is outside of the digital digital space. You know? No, it's, that's totally true. Yeah. I, I mean, <clears throat> I was seeing him on the red carpet recently uh, and people, I, I was reading the comment section and like, people were like pretty outraged, but I'm just like, you've known this movie is coming out. Like, you know, the, you saw the release date. It was happening. Yep. Like, the dude's the what, main character in it. What's weird about that, though, is that one, Warner Brothers said he wasn't going to do any press as far as like talking to the media. But yeah. he was there. He was talking to some people or whatever. But the other thing I think it's going to be more telling with that situation in particular is if they continue to work with him afterwards. Now, it's been said by people with sources, including John Campia, that he's done or, or they're done. You know, Ezra's done mm -hmm. at that point. Uh, and that the studio doesn't want to work with them ever again after everything that's happened because uh, Ezra's too much of a liability, you know, and I can understand that as a business decision that I could understand that. Mm -hmm. However, you listen to James Gunn or Andy Muschietti, which I feel like WB discovery has got to get a better handling on their PR. Like I, I think that they really fumbled with the PR for the flash. And I think that it also got treated a little bit unfairly recently because some of the big cameos that I saw, because I saw the movie a month ago, some of the big cameos that were in the movie got spoiled recently from the premiere. And on top of that, it's it's just had this really weird PR cycle with some of the stuff like Andy Muschietti was going on and spoiling certain things. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> what well, this movie's not out yet. You want people to go see this movie? Like, come on. It's yeah. Crazy. Yeah. And that's the problem too, is like if people hear those spoilers and stuff like that, they might just be like, I'll just wait for it to come out on HBO Max then at this point. Yeah. Whatever. Or Max now. <laughs> yeah, Max. <laughs> whatever you know, whatever they're going to call it or, or just not go see it. Like one of the big thing cameos that got spoiled recently within the last day or so, there was a bunch of people just wilding out. I'm like, how can you guys be so mad at this cameo? Especially one that just sounds so awesome. Again, I'm not going to spoil it here, but like it's out there on social media. Yeah. The movie's coming out tomorrow, you know, for most uh, out there that are going to see it. But still, it's like, why would people be mad about this? And why would people actively go spoil it for other people? Like, I yeah. feel like it's all these other different things just like compounded on one another. And it's like, you know what? Just block out the noise. Just either go see the movie or don't. Just don't be that guy. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I was, I just recently, for the first time, major violation. I just recently, for the first time, watched the Batman 89 and um, the uh, second one uh, with Keaton. Oh, Batman Returns? Yeah, Batman Returns with the oh, Penguins. Dude, I just, I, I, here's the thing. I've seen bits and pieces of them growing up and i always knew it but it's like as an adult i haven't sat down and been like let me throw this on from start to finish 
Yeah. And they are great. And Keaton is a great Batman. And knowing that he's in that makes me want to see it. I mean, also, like, when it comes to the Ezra stuff, too, what I was saying earlier, it's like, not that I, like, I don't condone any of the behavior he had. It's just, like, stuff with Hollywood. (laughs) And when it comes to money, things don't surprise me. Like, there was no way that this movie wasn't going to release, in my opinion. Like, they they had this done. They they invested too much. Everybody knew this movie was coming out. And they've made it very clear that it wasn't going to be like a Batgirl situation because I think that this situation with Ezra and the Flash and everything else that went into it was so like the exception to the rule and not part of it was so like far removed with everything else. There, there's just so many things that happened within. And then you look at and compare it to other things that have happened in in, in Hollywood recently between uh, Jonathan Majors, what happened with uh, Tenere Puerta, you know, all these different things like all over the place. I think that with the Flash specifically... I felt like things were so far along when stuff happened. And it's like, we're not just going to dump this after putting so much money into it. And then keep in mind, you got Michael Keane coming back as Batman for the first yeah. time in like many years. People are just going to go the hell with Ezra Miller. Like we're just going to, like me, I'm going to go see this movie again tomorrow because of Batman 89 or Michael Keane Batman being in this movie. And there are a lot of people out there like that that just want to enjoy themselves. They just want to hang out and just enjoy whatever the movie is. And some people have said that. You know, I wrote a whole review about this movie that's out there on Clownfish that I've talked about different elements with that, that as far as it being a film, if you remove yourself and stop thinking about the other stuff outside, you can enjoy what's here. Like, it's pretty darn good. But again, I digress. Everybody has their own stances on it. I feel like you need to, a lot of people need to like focus on like, what are we exactly are we talking about? What exactly are we really debating or arguing? Are we, is it, are we arguing the merits of the movie to exist? Or are we just like trying to focus on Ezra Miller? Because that's yeah. what I feel like a lot of reviews, I don't know if you saw these with Rotten Tomatoes, they came out and a lot of like the stuff that was why they were scoring the movie low or lower than most other places because they wanted to talk about Ezra Miller's nonsense. And it's like, I don't think, personally for me, and I think I've said it to you a few times on this show, like for me, if you're going to review something, review the content of whatever it is that you're reviewing, not review it based on other stuff outside of it. You know, all that other stuff in the news with Ezra Miller, that's not in the movie. Like that's not what the movie's about. So that shouldn't be a fair assessment of the quality of the content in the movie. No, absolutely. I agree. Uh, I mean, that's, I just saw, um, I just saw across the spider verse and I was yeah, blown was away awesome. by that movie, man. The movie's amazing. Like yeah. I, I saw that in the Dolby digital theater at AMC and like, it, it's really gorgeous. Like the, just visually, like all the colors and everything with that movie, especially if you've seen it in an IMAX screen, it looks fantastic. Yeah. That's like, that was one like I knew it was going to be good, but I liked I took my kids to see it, too, because like my son loved the first movie mm. um, and I just sat back, man, and was just I was like I, I walked out of that theater blown away. Honestly, yeah. it's like I, I walked out of that theater where I was like, this is the first time I felt like this uh, after watching a super movie hero for a pretty long time, actually, <laughs> probably like I don't know. It's just I like how, you know. I won't get into like spoilers because people probably still haven't seen it. Maybe Mm. Um, I can talk about some details though, without spoiling the movie, but like, you know, it's, there's going to be a third movie and they, they they leave you hanging. (laughs) That's that's been public for a long time, but like, you know, it's like when you know, you're going to have a good drink and when you finally have it, it's really good. Like that, that's how it feels to, to watch this movie. And it's great, you know, because that's like a fun, that's a fun time you could have at the cinema. You know, with, with all the different movies coming out. This is one of those movies 
where people go see and it's not like everybody's not complaining about it you know with with be yeah it's beyond the spider-verse no yeah it's, it's beyond the spider-verse or yo it's across the spider-verse across the, the spider-verse titles yeah. all mixed up because they're all like there's into the spider-verse beyond the is the third one, and then now, across yeah. is the second and then beyond is going to be the third but across the spider-verse has a lot of people talking about it. and there's always going to be those detractors and and people that are caught up on the nonsense with this movie especially about the miguel o'hara thing i don't know if you saw this with with miles morales and miguel o'hara a lot of people were debating about it on tiktok and stuff but outside of nonsense like that the majority of people love this movie and are saying like a lot of great things about it and a lot of the cool stuff involving music with this movie came out like the soundtrack of across spider-verse is awesome yeah. that, that final track in the credits is oh, awesome. i got that on my ipod so good <laughs> that's like when i when we were sitting there i knew i heard that there was a post-credit scene and it got scrubbed apparently i don't believe that i i the funny thing is i don't remember well uh, into the spider-verse had a post-credit scene which was you know miguel o'hara at this point like that's not a spoiler because the movie's been out for a little while mm-hmm. but like that was there but i'm okay with this one not having it because it's part one in a, in a larger story which is fine you know it's not not a big deal what i do like though is that we're not gonna have to wait a long time to get the second part to get yeah. the conclusion for the trilogy which is gonna be a banger like I, yeah, i'll we, be i will be seated point, man <laughs> this movie does right now be across the spider-verse doesn't win an oscar for like animation or academy award or something for animation whatnot you bet like that third one probably will <laughs> with yeah. as big of an impact these movies have been happening having on people uh, seriously and i i had brought that up um last podcast last week the guys hadn't seen it yet but i was saying you know like in comparison to star wars like we have a lot of star wars lore that exists you know what i mean and mm-hmm. spider-man has a, a lot of lore that exists to me the the guys who are making these movies understand what it means to be a spider-man fan and they yeah. give you a mix of all the old that people will love and the new and they they yeah. they they bundle it up in one big package to make this great thing that's where i'm like they get you know, it you know what i mean the the thing is to me especially with the first one and and i think it's mostly ever since the first one came out and, and with the spider-man miles morales game that's come out there's been a lot of reverence for different aspects of spider-man as you know as a franchise as a character in the lore Miles Morales, obviously, these movies focus around him. And he's like, he's always been looked at as like the minority Spider-Man, you know, the black or Afro-Latino Spider-Man and stuff. And that's like been a label that's been put on him. And I understand why, because that's where the genesis of that idea was really started from for that character because of Charles Gambino on Community. Yeah, I think it was Community where he was wearing a Spider-Man outfit. That's the inspiration for Miles Morales. So I get it stuff. But I feel like there's been other things that have kind of like, you know, been borrowed from that side of that culture into the lore of spider-man that's really made it interesting to watch because it's not downplaying the idea of peter parker it's not downplaying the idea of like spider-man in its original form where before miles and stuff it's really complementing it and that's what i feel like you know that's that's a good way for new characters to take shape and to become their own thing it's a new that's a great way for diverse characters you know people characters that are poc or whatever else to really kind of come into their own and really be seen as like a heavyweight type of character as well as also just building out the lore of that universe because absolutely the, the spider-verse movies and stuff some of them are a little contradictory to some of the other things we've seen in other Spider-Man media, but it also in, in especially in across the Spider-Verse, you could see that it still has a reverence for all those other stories between the, the Tobey Maguire films, the Andrew Garfield films, the MCU, you know, the animated stuff, the new animated stuff, the games, like it's really showing like a lot of love for that. 
Now, here's a question that I have because I'm looking back on it and like this might be like semi spoiler spoiler guys, but like mm-hmm. it really it really technically is. And it's just cameo talk. I don't remember if there was a Tom Holland Spider-Man like shot in it. Like, was there no. anything? No, no the nod, I think, to Tom Holland Spider-Man was the cameo with. Uh, well, this is not a spoiler because it's actually public right now that people shared it. Uh, the Childish Gambino. Uh, okay. It, you know, as Prowler, you know, that's the shut up because remember, he was that character in Tom Holland's Spider Man films, like that. I mean, there's a nod to every single one of the live action Spider Man uh, movies and stuff that's all over the place. Again, the other ones I won't spoil, but dude, you know, that, that, those guys, that I, I was like cracking up, Tom Holland. Like, the only thing that could have gone better than that is if you saw these actual Spider Man in there. Like, if they want to go big in the next film, they somehow got to find a way to get those actors to appear in that film. That would be that would be amazing. Yeah. You want to talk about epic win? <laughs> yeah, I mean, dude, as you guys can see behind me, I'm a Lego fan, and they even give homage to oh, Lego. Yeah. It, dude, I was that dying. Was so, that was so short, but so cute. And then you like read up on the backstory behind that; it makes it so much better. It's so much funnier too because of the little sounds that he does. He's like, like, oh my god. I was dying. Really? I was like, I because dude, they hit that pretty early, and I'm I'm just sitting there in my seat, just like, oh, we're going here. You guys, you guys don't have any limits. Hey, did where you you're hear that go voice? With this. Did you hear that uh, voice at the beginning of it for Jay jo- Jonah Jameson? Oh yeah, yep. I was like, oh okay, like, yeah. just, and then it just keeps rolling from there, which is it just gets so much fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's like. I, I just left that movie thinking to myself, I'm like, man, this is what the movies is all about. This is why we go to the theater. You know, like I know mm-hmm. you're in the theater all the time. I, I think that's like, I love your gaming content, but I also love to know, like if a big movie's out, I know you're in the theater, like yeah, usually I'm opening it. day. I'm, I'm usually like, I'm usually publishing reviews over on Clownfish TV nowadays where I get to write about it. And they've been, you know, they've been open to me, like doing a lot of reviews, you know, for, for movies that people just don't go see. So I'm real thankful for that. But I think it's also just fun because it gives me a chance to flex my muscles as a critic, you know, in a different way, because I've, I think I told you and I've told a lot of other people, a lot of my inspiration for movie, for gaming criticism is derived from movie criticism, Cisco and Ebert. You know, those are yep. the two original critics and they were all about movies in the same way that they are about movies on the same way about games. But it's good to go back to that source and really kind of like play with it. And I enjoy it because I get to see all these films I've seen now this year alone. I've had to see like most of the big releases to come out. If not. Oh, all you're in there, dude. You're yeah, in there I'm, every time I I'm see going it back again soon. Like again, tomorrow I'm going to go see the flash again, even though I saw the flash a month ago, I, I got invited to an early screening uh, with AMC to go see that movie. But I'm going to go see that again. And I think sometime afterwards, I'm going to go see The Blackening this week as well. And then also, I think it's uh, not next week, but the week after is Indiana Jones. You know, Indiana yeah. Jones comes out right on my birthday. So, Which I think cool. is red carpet premiering tonight, actually, Indiana Jones. I okay, because I know they did their thing at cons, and I think they've also done like other promotional stuff. for. But it's like right around the corner. So yeah, it's not a big I, I'm, ex- I'm definitely excited for that. Quick shout out to uh, Makai Gamer here, too. Makai Gamer, that's my boy, Makai. What up? What's going on? Um, dude, I also have one thing on Mm -hmm. our list for tonight Yeah, that I wanted to hit on as we're on the movie topic and uh, why do gaming companies not make video games for movies anymore? Because all I could think about when I'm watching across the spider verse is I'm like, I wish we had one of those cartoon animation style video games. Where it's like, you know, Sly Cooper style almost. Mm-hmm. I feel like that would almost fit the animation style. 
it's like I, you know, you've recently did a top five Star Wars game list, and Episode Three is on your top five list. Yeah, for PlayStation uh, Two games for PS Two Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, mm. for PS Two. So like I. I just remember when I was a kid, it's like when Tobey Maguire Spider-Man came out, I bought that Spider-Man game and I freaking loved that game. I, I mm -hmm. like it. I don't know if it was nostalgia or just a great game because I haven't played it in forever. But I, I just think that like they're they're missing. Uh, you, I think they should still make games for some of these movies. I honestly would even go as far as to say I think it would be cool if they would go back and make new next gen graphics do do Star Wars the original uh, prequel trilogy in next gen graphics. People are gonna buy that game. Like <laughs> you wanna know why that 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 a lot of that stuff doesn't happen anymore? Because the marketing like machine for a lot of these movies has changed over the years. Back in the day, especially anytime before PlayStation 3, I would argue. Like like PlayStation 3 was probably like the last gen that we really got, you know, any sort of like movie-based games. Because we had games like Star Trek at one point, which was a story that took place after the movie and mm -hmm. all these other things. We would have like different movies or different games based on these different films, but the marketing machine has changed because we still get movie like games based on movies. The avatar game, like frontiers of Pandora, prime example of that it's based on avatar. You could argue star Wars, the same thing. We've had other stuff here and there. The problem is though, back in the day, there used to be movie games released to coincide with the release of the films. That's how we got revenge of the Sith prior to the release of revenge of the Sith in theaters. This is why we got Batman Begins. This is why we got all these other different types of games like Spider-Man, etc. Even Superman Returns. Yeah. The DC, they had that as well around the release of the movie. But the marketing machine has changed where that is not only not viable anymore because it costs so much to make games now these days, a lot more than what it did back then. But also they don't need it you know, to promote the movies. They have social media. They have other means to promote a lot of these projects. So you could argue the same thing with you know streaming series like on Netflix or Disney Plus, etc., but they have all these other means to get word out and to get hype out about their films rather than just putting in a lot more resources to making a game that might not sell that well and might get panned by critics. Because let's be real, a lot of movie-based games are not that great. Their, their level of quality is nowhere near sometimes you know, in comparison to a lot of other AAA games that come out. I mean, we have those gems like Spider-Man 2. I would say Spider-Man 2 is a better game than Spider-Man 1, you know, the original game like that. But also there's just a level of quality with that game that just was like, it was based on the movie, but it was doing other things. It wasn't solely just trying to be like a, a quick like drop as far as, you know, movie-based games. You could say the same thing about Batman Begins. You could say the same thing. I would argue even about, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, instead of Revenge of the Sith, what about the Clone Wars? There was a Clone Wars game that I've reviewed that I've talked about, which wasn't all that great, but it was right before episode two came out. They did the same thing with episode three, you know, later on. But And Lord of the Rings did that too, Lord, actually. Lord of the Rings. The Lord of the Rings, you could literally play those battles. That was like right before the movie release. Yeah, and they uh, people were pissed they spoiled Return of the King, right, with that? Because they actually showed like movie clips to everything. That popped up, but it's like you've read these books before. Like, yeah, you knew what was going to happen. About, but, you know, the other thing too is I think that because also the development cycle for a lot of these games is it takes so long, especially back then it still took long. They had to kind of like time it right with the release of the film. So that's one of the big reasons why, speaking of Lord of the Rings, you never got a fellowship of the of the ring game. It was actually yeah. folded into the two towers because the game originally that was being done by that team at EA wasn't really done by the time that movie was coming out. So they just <laughs> folded it over. So you got all these fellowship of the ring levels in the two towers. You're like, what the hell? Yeah. Like, what, what the hell? What, which movie is this? Like, but I, I don't miss it as much as I like to 
miss it because I know that games are better off as far as the quality right now. But I also know that movies don't have to necessarily like, or well, they never really kind of like relied too much on it, but it's like not part of like, again, the marketing machine. They could focus that on other stuff, maybe making some of that budget go towards the movie quality or maybe going towards other means of promotion, you know, events or whatever. So yeah, it's no, a lost that definitely makes form. sense. It's a kind of lost art form. Like in the same way that we get like box art, that's a lost art form. In some cases, the movie-based game, I feel like it's long since passed. And I, to me personally, I say the PS3 was the last generation we had that. Yeah, yeah. I do, I, I, I'm nostalgic for it just because like for me, I feel like it kind of cemented like my love for some of them even more just because I played those Spider-Mans, I played those Lord of the Rings games and stuff like that. And it was a, it was like a good way to double down on the content, but we also didn't have... We also didn't have YouTube and Twitter and places. We also to excused a lot of bad games because I reviewed both of those Lord of the Rings games, and they do not hold up as well as people remember. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of bugs and glitches in those games. That's like yeah. any other game, y'all would have eviscerated this, but because it's Lord of the Rings, because it's Aragorn, y'all gonna give it a pass, dude. Excuse there's you. I've yeah. recently replayed those, and it's like, don't get me wrong, I still have the nostalgia for them, but there's yeah, parts of, the of it Rings, where I'm like, I'm like, nah, oh my god, like I'm there's sorry. there's glitches and stuff, like the, the, there's the, maps the, that are hard as hell. I I show I remember in in specifically my two towers section of my review video of those two games. The difficulty spikes in that game, like depending on which character you play as, are so over the top at times. There, there's that level, that infamous level where you're like, you know, defending that little keep and like all the got the, the orcs that are exploding themselves are coming at you. That oh is hard, God. but it's hard because like it's wave after wave. It's annoying. And like you just have to do it. You just have to roll with it. It's like, ugh. I, if I remember correctly, the way I finally would beat that would be to just sit there with Legolas and hold your arrow in and wait till you could lock before guy before you could even see the player spawning towards you they would spawn like in the distance of yeah. the game and, you'll just and you just start ripping it. arrows before they were even there like <laughs> yeah, yeah you can't was... do that as aragorn you definitely can't do that as gimli <laughs> yeah yeah it's crazy man yeah dude those games man they <laughs> they uh they owned my life when i was a kid so now outside of gaming um, you've already touched on this a little bit on um, TikTok and Twitter uh, is the director of the Star Wars Acolyte. Yeah. Hitting on. Um, yes, yeah, the showrunner. <laughs> I don't know if she's the director of the show. Or the, sh the showrunner. Oh, yeah. Oh my God. It's, uh, <laughs> do you want to go into some of the points uh, that she was making? I read that article and <laughs> honestly, I was reading the article and I was kind of trying to understand what she was like saying, because to me, it's almost like she was pretty much saying like George Lucas didn't create this kind of like, I, I don't well, know what she was thing. getting at. Like with, so, so a couple people, people saw this in a couple different places. A lot of people, myself included first saw it when star Wars theory shared it. Okay. He shared a video that was sent around to him. That was from 2019, which is just basically a cut of that interview that Leslie Headland was part of. If you go to the original interview, which I think is like 20 or 30 minutes long, something like that. She's sitting down for an interview and she's talking about the acolyte and the points that she was making there, even though they're not cut up together like that, it's still part of this larger interview. Some of the points that she is making is a little bit weird. And I, I kept saying, I even said it on TikTok. It's like, it's weird to me how Lucasfilm PR is just dropping the ball a lot. Like they're just really like not that great at keeping things like in the good graces with their fans, because a lot of the statements she was saying would do not come off good. 
I understand she's trying to make a greater point about like, you know, having being able to extend, expand the lore of Star Wars beyond what George Lucas created as far as like getting other ideas, other characters, other sections of it to really grow that universe. I get that. But like, how are you going to tell me that, you know, everybody's expecting someone with all the answers like George Lucas is a bat, you know, expecting George Lucas to have some sort of like weight behind his opinions or his decisions and stuff. People waiting on that is a bad thing. Because let's keep in mind, the whole reason why we have this universe is because George Lucas made these movies. He wrote these scripts with his two hands. Like, yes. he didn't direct <laughs> all the movies, but like, he did come up with the entire concept of Star Wars, not just the first three films. He also did the prequels. He directed those. As far as, yeah, as far as I know. Yeah, he directed yeah, those. Yeah, he did. Yeah. And wrote all, that, all those scripts. Like, he made this entire universe, all this lore. It's like trying to say that, trying to get a word from Tolkien back in the day about Middle Earth is a bad thing because like he, Tolkien doesn't have all the answers. The dude created the damn universe for God's sakes. <laughs> it's the same thing with George Lucas here. I find that with this interview, with a lot of other statements, not just from that show, but with other places too, there's this really weird attitude to like take a jab at George Lucas, specifically him or specifically at the idea that fans want George Lucas's like input or his blessing or his, his you know, consolidation with Lucasfilm or whatever it might be. Like, People are just like uneasy or indifferent by a lot of the newer stuff that you're seeing from most of the Disney Plus stuff, you know, from the last couple of shows, from the last couple of seasons, from the last couple of movie projects, even with the sequel trilogy. And I feel like it's like these different people, not just Lucasfilm people, but specifically like Leslie Headland and a few of the other people behind the scenes of these films that are making these things are like just jabbing at them. They're like trying to be antagonistic a little bit to the audience or trying to put their own stamp on Star Wars in a way that doesn't really have the same type of reverence that fans are looking for. Like there's a very big difference. Perfect example, right? And I know a lot of people don't like people saying this. There's a very big difference between the reverence that you get from like Dave Filoni, as much as some people might have a problem with him for whatever reason. There's a big difference between that reverence you see in the Clone Wars or in Rebels or in the Bad Batch or whatever else, what we're probably going to see in Ahsoka as well, and compare that to what we got in Obi-Wan Kenobi and what we're probably going to get with the Acolyte from the looks of it, from the sounds yeah. of it. Because at its heart, the Acolyte sounds like a cool concept, a cool idea. But like when you see these statements from Leslie Helen, when you see the statements from the actors at Star Wars Celebration and the way that they're talking and what they're trying to talk about as opposed to what they're trying to sell us in the in the projects, there's like this real big disconnect that I don't think people are really feeling right now. They're not, they're not really liking at all because it feels like they just want to do stuff to get people mad, to get attention for their projects. It feels very disingenuous and very inauthentic. And again, it's coming from this weird place that people just don't like, they don't understand like why it's there, why it's lingering like that. And, and keep in mind too, we've talked about this a few times on this show that like, I don't like the idea of Lucasfilm being so combative with their audience. Like just, they're just the way that some of those people insult fans or make insinuations in interviews. Like it's bad enough that we got to deal with certain things that have been set out in certain interviews by like Kathleen Kennedy or anybody else. But like that type of stuff, I feel like is really damaging the relationship that fans have with Lucasfilm and fans have with Star Wars. Cause at some point that's not going to last forever. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, it's like what I was saying with the cons. It's like, to me, Star Wars PR lives online <laughs> and that's a bad play. Like, you know, you, you can meet, very good people at a star Wars convention. We're all star Wars fans. And guess what? Like I might not like sequel trilogy. You might like it, but we can sit face to face and have a conversation and, and really get along and, and be cool with each other. Yeah. You know, like it, we can be, we can be totally fine. 
but it's like I, I feel like they're lost in they're lost in the sauce. I mean, it goes back to Star Wars Twitter too. I mean, because yeah, Star it, Wars keep Twitter in mind too. Just... It's not just like Star Wars community and the react because I, I find Star Wars not just Star Wars Twitter, but the Star Wars community on social media tends to be very reactionary on both yep. not only the the projects like the live action projects or the cartoons, but also the games. A lot of the stuff that came out what we were talking about earlier with the articles about Star Wars Outlaws felt like it was being reactionary to the blanket statements that were being made about Star Wars fans and about gamers in general, but really Star Wars fans. And with Star Wars Twitter, and even you have to say this too, which is sad to say, but like a lot of the content creators that I'm seeing within that bubble of Star Wars Twitter really add fuel and gasoline to that fire. Like it's just to the point where it's like you guys sometimes are talking out of your butt. Like you're just like talking completely in bad faith and making statements or going along with things when you really shouldn't be saying that. What because the audience could see right through you. It's like you're going to come out and say that Star Wars fans have a problem with female protagonists or have a problem with females in the universe when they literally the, the first thing of this franchise has one of the strongest female characters and protagonists in modern cinema. It's like yeah. people have been rolling with that since 1977. You really think that Star Wars fans got a problem with, with female characters or female protagonists? It's like, come on, that's a, such a stupid statement. But you see this stuff that's like passed around constantly and again is made is used as a bullet point to blank and statement all these people. And I think people are just tired of that. People are just getting real tired of it and they're they're seeing right through and they're like they're they're starting to latch back at them. Again, it's very reactionary with all this yeah. stuff. I feel like a lot of this problem wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the fact that like a lot of people just continue to like fuel it to be a thing when it shouldn't really be a thing. Like people want to see the acolyte. We're there. Most Star Wars fans, especially diehard Star Wars fans, we're there for anything that's Star Wars related. But like mm -hmm. you're not going to like think that we're stupid. You're not going to think that we're just blindly just going to support something for the sake of it just being Star Wars. No, we expect some quality. We expect some, you know, some reverence for the universe we spent so many years like engaging with or supporting. And I feel like there's there needs to be a conversation either in Lucasfilm or with some of the people behind these projects to really kind of make that clear. I think that yeah. some people over there understand it. John Favreau understands it. Uh, Dave Filoni understands it. I feel like um, uh, some of the actors. I, oh my god, I can't remember his name right now. He plays. Um, oh my god, he's in he's in the the Book of Boba Fett. He was uh, Dylan from Predator. Oh my god, I can't remember his name. The actor. Oh my god, he played Apollo Creed. Oh. Jesus. Oh man, um working out. You know what I'm talking about though, right? Like he understands it. Uh, Mark Hamill understands it. Like the the idea of like, look, people have a real reverence for this universe and really care about it. So you shouldn't treat them like such an opponent when it comes to putting these stuffs out because the audience is there to support you. You don't need to get so angry and so combative with them when they reject it or they feel indifferent about it. And yes. I just don't I just don't see that from some of these people. I don't see it from Leslie Helen. I feel like Leslie Helen's got her mind on other stuff rather than just like the, the benefit of like making a star Wars project. The same thing with some of those other people over there. Ryan Johnson is another perfect example. A lot of people don't like to hear that, but this is the same guy that was walking around with a thing that said your Snoke theory sucks. It's like who, who in their right mind at a company would think that's okay. Anybody else would have gone fired or let go. Yeah. It's if like, I'm Bob Iger, I'm like calling Kathleen like, yo, Kennedy like, and being like, what are yo, I'm doing like, the thing is, my point is, is like you don't want to be so nasty and, and like hostile towards your audience and then get mad when they're hostile back because those are the ones that support you. And again, I'm rambling on, but it feels like that's just something that just isn't clear enough at Lucasfilm. No, and I mean, that's what I was alluding to with with the Across the Spider-Verse movies is I'm like, these guys get their fan base. You know, you can create something new 
and and give love to the old at the same time. You don't yeah. need to say, you know, the the old stuff is dead. You know, we don't care about any of that. Stupid statement. That was such yeah. a stupid. Looking in hindsight now, after the sequel trilogy, that was such a stupid thing for someone to allow Ryan Johnson to put in that movie. Because I think it was Ryan Johnson wrote The Last Jedi, right? He wrote and directed it. I'm yeah. pretty sure. Because mm-hmm. I remember him saying that at one point. My point is, is like that is such a stupid thing to say. You know, let alone the way that the whole PR machine with that the was past terrible. Is, the past is dead, I think, was the, the line. Pa- let the past die. Let mm-hmm. the past die. That's that's what he said. Kill it if you have to. And that's, that's such a stupid statement. I understand what the 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 aim was, but the execution and the, and the reasoning behind it, I think, was so dumb. Yeah, sense? I mean, I, I'm I don't know. I, I I've been on Roll of the Galaxy now for two years, and I feel like it's like every couple months there's just some kind of PR flub when it comes to Star Wars, where I'm just like, what are you what are you doing? You know, there's there's a lot of good stuff. Like, I'm hyped on Outlaws. I think it's great. I think the way mm-hmm. that that folded out i don't know how much lucasfilm has to do with that or or even disney lucasfilm games specifically yeah. it's lucasfilm's games that's working together with massive and ubisoft yeah so like credit to them for i think it's i think <laughs> what they just did was great on that release mm-hmm. i mean it's that's the excitement that i'm looking for and <clears throat> the creator of this game isn't doing an interview saying that you know i know star wars better than george lucas essentially i mean i know that's not what yeah. she was saying but like well it was multiple people like you could go listen to the interviews now there there i think there's one on ign there's a couple floating around with ubisoft where they actually did it themselves talking to the people but like the actress i forgot her name i apologize but like the actress that plays k right now in this game you can hear her talking about this character where she's like look she's flawed she's in this galaxy far far away where she's trying to survive she's trying to be a smoker because there's all these syndicates and stuff she's gonna get the job done she's gonna hide her emotions and stuff but she's vulnerable but she's gonna get the job done she's there she's gonna do things and stuff there's a there's a real charm in being like honest and open about that rather than trying to put on this facade where it's like your character's the greatest thing since sliced bread yeah like you're it's like invincible like there's again look at that interview when you get a chance tonight and look at the interview of what they did with some of the characters from the Acolyte or from some of the characters when they were talking about Ray from the sequel trilogy or any of those characters for that matter, you know, it, it is a very big difference. And I think Star Wars fans could see that, or at least a good chunk of them can see that. And they're going to get like, okay, this seems interesting. Yeah. And I mean, she's got a great opportunity in front of herself too, because I mean, look at what Cameron Monaghan has done with Cal Kestis. Like he's, yeah. he's become an iconic Star Wars character. Uh, through video games and video games are he's getting to it. yeah he's getting to it yeah they've become video <laughs> games are just uh, they, the amount of money behind them and the amount of money they make they're right up there with movies you know what i mean it's like they're they're hand in hand now as far as fandom and money goes so I, yeah. I recently, uh, I recently uh, did Bob Iger's uh, book just to kind of try to get a, like a peek inside of his head as to like who he is and how he thinks, and I really found it very interesting. Um, but I recently saw him like talking about the Mario movie and how he's like, we're pretty encouraged by seeing that. Like, you know, shout out to those guys over there, and it's like. Well, they made a movie that was true to fans and pretty much just gave them like, like, not that it's like, oh, let's just give you full on fan service. It's like, just understand the fan base that you're dealing with. You know, well, like, I feel like that movie got treated unfairly by by people in the media because, look, I understand that the story wasn't the best. 
but I was in that audience with that in that theater with that audience. And like the reactions that I saw for most of the story, it was a light story, but it has a bunch of fan service in it that goes cross generational. It was done Absolutely. in a way where it's like it appealed to a lot of different things while trying to be just a fun family movie. And I feel like people were trying to look for things in it that really wasn't trying to do that. It wasn't really trying to like get into and stuff. And I thought that was silly because that movie shows that like video game movies can work and they could be big. This is why like the story came out recently that Nintendo is talking with Universal seriously about doing the Legend of Zelda next. That's going to be a thing with the theme park at Universal. That's totally going to be a thing. And they're, they're inking a big deal. That thing is going to be huge when it comes out. And then when the Mario sequel comes out, that's even going to be more huge. Yeah, it's uh, no. That's a they, given. I, I want to see them make that bank on it, man. I mean, yeah. it's exactly what you're saying. I had my son, who's six years old, next to me, me, 32 years old, and my father-in-law, who's in his 50s. And all of us had something with Mario that we could laugh at and be like, I remember that. Or, That's or, what know, Nintendo like, and Universal and Lumination want. They want all those generations in the theater, like talking with each other, sharing memories, during the film and paying for a ticket. Every single one of them. That's that's exactly why that movie did so well. Yeah, no, I agree. And I mean, I'm like, I'm the guy, I, I, like, I, I know you support going to the movies. I, I, I love going to the movies. I'll buy tickets. I'll go to the movies. I'll, I love that experience because yeah. it's an experience that I don't think can, I, I, I it needs to stay alive because that's, when you experience a movie in the theater, in those seats, the popcorn, everything, it's yeah. just, there's something special about it. It's a very, very unique experience. And I grew up, and I think I told you, I grew up watching movies. My first movie, funny enough, because we mentioned Batman Returns, Batman Returns was the first movie I saw in theaters. Like actually going to a movie theater and everything and going through that whole experience, getting concession stand, popcorn, soda, getting a, what is it? A poster from the actual, like, you know, movie and stuff. There's yeah. a whole like ritual slash like experience that goes with that. And I love doing that now, even as an adult, I know that it gets expensive for movie theaters. Like it's just, that's just the economics of today. Like it's just expensive to do things like that. And it sucks to deal with that aspect. But if you're able to do so, and you have the means to do so and do it right, like not cheap, like cheaping out on it not like cut corners, but do it right. Like do what you want to do. It's a really fun, amazing time out. I feel like it's good, especially if you're going for a movie that you want to see. It's not every movie's like that. Cause I've gone to movies that like I wasn't hyped up about like I am with a Marvel movie or star Wars or something like that, but it's still a fun experience. Nonetheless, it's still something that I think like people could really enjoy even as you get much older. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> it, it goes hand in hand. Like number one, you could go by, even if you went by yourself, like I know you could go to a movie by yourself and that could be a personal enjoyable experience or you go with like your kids or whatever. And that can be like, you know, the, the, those can create core memories sometimes rather than maybe watching the movie at home. Like, well, it, I like, I like watching movies when mid, like not so much a midnight release nowadays, because I go more to the first showings in the afternoon, but going to a movie where you have a lot of people that are hyped up with this, that makes the movie experience as well. A lot of people don't like that. And I understand it. It's like not for everybody, but like, imagine going to see Endgame and you have everybody else there with you. I had, I saw this movie like eight times in theaters like that with that a whole bunch of people just wiling out at some of the big movie like moments, even though that's a long movie. The point is, is that a lot of those bigger special moments and a lot of those bigger reactions that sticks with you like long after you leave the theater. I still remember, I think I talked about it on this show. I, think, I can't remember when I went to go see episode two of Attack of the Clones opening day with my family watching that movie in the theater. When Yoda pulls out his lightsaber, that is the most hype movie, hype moment 
I've ever seen in a Star Wars movie at the theater, straight up. And the only one that was, came close to it was the next movie was at Revenge of the Sith when uh, Palpatine says, my little green friend. And like the reaction from everybody at the theater was like, it was like a rap battle. Everybody's like, ooh, he just, he literally went there. And it's obviously because it's Palpatine and, and Yoda and stuff. But yeah. that moment when you first see Yoda pull out his lightsaber to fight Dooku in episode two, that was the most hype reaction because everybody lost their damn minds seeing that for the first time. We look back on it with different eyes now. And some people say it's like one of the worst things out there for Star Wars. There, There's a lot of uh, original trilogy purists that feel like Yoda shouldn't use a lightsaber. And I get it. But it's all about the experience of viewing when you're in that moment at the theater. And I feel like that that was a moment that going to the theater to see that, I'll never forget that. Because that, that was so awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I'll never forget. Uh, I'll never forget Cap when he freaking got Thor's hammer too for yep, Endgame. That, that's oh, my another theater one. went nuts, man. Mm-hmm. It was yeah, like everybody lost their damn mind. It was hype fest, dude. And then yeah. next thing you know, everybody's crying shortly after. You know, yep. it was it, it's a roller coaster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they knocked it out of the park <laughs> with that, man. So what do I? I got some other stuff on the list here that I wanted to touch on. Um, sure. One of them. One of them was. Uh, I didn't get like I don't think I think I talked to you maybe mid season of Mandalorian. I'm not sure mm-hmm. when it was. I think I talked to you like sometime in the beginning. I might have had you on here. What was uh what were your vibes for the previous season of the Mandalorian as a oh, whole? Oh, the finale and everything. So yeah, just pretty much like just pretty much your overview of the season, how you felt about where it's going and everything. So I felt that this was the weaker season of the three seasons we got of Mandalorian. It has a lot. It has some good highs, but very low lows. And I've even wrote about them on Clownfish about the whole thing with celebrities being in Star Wars, how it could be mishandled, and everything else. Um, as far as story stuff, there were some decisions that I did not agree with. You know, and I think at this point, like we could talk a little bit more spoilers now. Like I can. Oh yeah, whatever. we can hit all spoilers. Honestly, so the main big thing, I didn't think it was the right decision to destroy the dark saber. Thought that was a very stupid move. Because they built up this weapon in so many other series, including this season. And it's yep. like, you just break it like that. Like, I understand it's Gideon, but why would Gideon want to break the Darksaber? I thought that was a really poor choice for that to happen. I also think that there was probably a lot of stuff that we didn't see. Yeah, there you go. I just no built that. this. Uh, I just yeah. built this Bondi model. All right. Yeah. I painted up that Darksaber. So I'm sitting there painting this Darksaber like, okay, this happened. is gone. And then... I'm painting up his pulse rifle and I'm like, all right, this is gone. And then I'm painting up the Beskar spear yeah, and I'm well, like, all right, this is gone. Spear. I think he's still got the spear though. He, he melted it down for, um, Grogu's oh, yes, right. armor. Oh, so much for that. <laughs> like, all of the, and the razor crest is the razor gone. Crest is gone. <laughs> all of his badass shit is gone, man. Like, it's no like, wonder Mando's sitting at the end of it. Like just chill. He's like, you know what? I just need a minute. Like I'll I'm see like, you guys in like a couple years next season. <laughs> dude, dude, Mando's gonna be nude with just a helmet on before you know it. Like he's gonna lose everything. He's just done. <laughs> <laughs> but but like the thing was this season, the way it ended, I think it ended in an okay place for what it was going on with the season. I felt like the last two episodes, there were some moments where I thought they were gonna go one way and I thought it was gonna go real crazy and they didn't commit to it. Uh the other thing too, we just didn't get a lot of payoff for some of the things like they they almost promised earlier in the season like the mythosaur we got the, like a glimpse of it we don't get to see it because it i kept thinking that the mythosaur was going to come out and like destroy gideon's army it's be like oh my god they got the mythical beast on their side at this point to fight the empire with them to take back mandalore i thought that would have been poetic in yep. some way but no we didn't get that 
Um, I felt that honestly, a lot of the stuff involving, you know, the, the like offshoot stories, like the stuff that felt like it was left over from Rangers of the New Republic or from Andor. I thought that was really horrible to include those in the season because those are some of the worst episodes to me. I understand why people like them. And I feel like people's got like this buyer's remorse or like this denial with some of those episodes with Dr. Pershing specifically. That that's whole episode. The episode. That, that's after the that episode, episode. That was like, why? Yeah. We talked about it. So, so I won't retread uh, the same territory, but like that episode I felt was terrible as far as like the pacing and just like, why, why are we focusing on this instead of being with Grogu and Din? Like, it just makes no sense to me. Yeah, but, that deck, that technically didn't pay off. It, all it did was just yeah. give us insight into the New Republic, and it's just like, okay, this is what's going yeah, on. And- nothing comes from that. And look, I understand that Star Wars needs to grow as a, as a storytelling medium, as, as like a franchise. It needs to get different ways that the story could be told and stuff. But the biggest thing, that the big, most annoying thing about it is that it just didn't feel like Star Wars. It didn't feel like the Mandalorian in that moment. You can even argue the same thing when they went to that planet and he had Lizzo and everybody else like that. It just was not, did not feel like the Mandalorian. If It was like that episode was trying to be Blade Runner. It's like, look, I get the nods to other sci-fi series and there's nothing wrong with that with like the visuals because we get that same thing from Obi-Wan Kenobi with the planet that he goes to that looks like, you know, Chinatown, almost like downtown Chinatown, the red light district. Absolutely. But, you know, why is it with the, the sentient, you know, battle droids? What's with it with like, you know, Din's got blasters and all this other stuff and he's chasing the the B1, not the B1, the, the super battle droid down the streets. This is a super battle droid, mind you. This thing could just turn around with its blaster if it had it still and just end and call the end of the series right now. Like the main thing is, is that this stuff just was overall just, it was all over the place this season. So I wanted it to be better. I wanted to enjoy it. I enjoyed the moments that it was still good know for what it was but you know it is what it is yeah the, uh, i really do wonder like i i pretty much like after i let it like settle in i was just like yeah that's like season was all right pretty much similar opinions to yours like it felt odd honestly to be in in mandalorian mode and be watching stuff and feeling like some of it was pointless because that's not very common when it comes to the Mandalorian. I feel like seasons one and two were pretty much mm-hmm. like almost flawless in my opinion. Um, I, I, I really do wonder if it's because Filoni was fully locked into Ahsoka. Ahsoka. Yeah. That's what and, a lot of people were saying. Yeah. I mean, which like, I don't want to, I don't want to like say, Oh, well, this is because Favreau was running it by himself because I'm a big Favreau guy too. So I, I just don't know. I, I don't know if he was hamstrung by some of the storylines that he was forced to put into book of Boba Fett because some of the Mandalorian stuff that was put in book of Boba Fett was really good. Well, yeah, and I think he wanted to save that for season three and yeah, which would have made sense. <laughs> like, yeah. It would have made perfect sense. I think that a lot of it is based on rumor. We don't know the full story. Some credible sources did say, like Jess Schneider said, there was a big blow up between him and Kathleen Kennedy, which I believe. If it's coming from Jess Schneider, he knows because he's got people in places that would know like that. So he's like the most credible, at least as close to the most credible source we could have on info like that. But judging the season on what we actually got, you know, it just feels like, again, there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen with whatever was going on with those scripts. But also it felt like things just felt a lot less focused than what it was in the first two seasons. Because that season two ending, you know, for the Mandalorian was awesome, you know, from the build up to it with everything that was going on. That was an awesome season of this show. 
Yeah. And just this this season just did not live up to that. Like mm. live up to the payoff, let alone the quality of the overall season. I felt like hopefully season four, because they're gonna still do more seasons of this show. They could actually learn from that mistake or at least get a little bit more cohesion with whatever season four is gonna be. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean Season two is one of the best like finales of a show. Like, you know, my, my star Wars fandom cap is obviously involved. That was a like, moment, <laughs> but it, it seriously was like one of those like moments where you're sitting on the edge of your couch and you're just like, are you kidding me right now? Like, like they're doing this. Like yeah. they're really doing this. Like I remember I almost, I at the time I didn't write an article for it, but I was planning to do so. But I was saying like, this was a, this was like a, a an inflection point where it's like, you know, Star Wars is like starting to really like change course to a way where it's like a lot of stuff that they were doing before, like doesn't seem like they're going to be doing that anymore. I remember thinking of that to myself and obviously we've seen what happened since and stuff, but I remember that specific moment being like, this is why we watch this show. Like this is the main reason why this show exists to give us moments like this, you know, and we were hyped up for season three. I think me and you both we talked about it that we yeah. were hyped up for season three, but you know, as it is now, I'm still going to watch Mandalorian season four. I'm still going to watch Ahsoka. Of course, I think Ahsoka is going to be really good. Uh, and I'm definitely still going to watch the other shows. Like I'm a little less enthusiastic to watch Andor season two, but that's like coming to an end. That's the last season for that show. And the same thing also goes for the Acolyte. I'm less enthusiastic about it, but I'm still going to watch it, you know, as a Star Wars fan. So fingers crossed that these things are actually of higher quality or actually yeah. like good quality. Yeah, I want it to be good. I'm not rooting against them, but like I also, you know, don't think that people who are working on them should be rooting against, you know, the fan base either, technically. Yeah. You I know, agree. so it's like I, I, I hope it does well. I want Star Wars to do well forever. I don't want it to die out. I mean, that was a conversation we had on last episode. Joe actually brought up um, you know, G.I. Joe and everything, and that was a huge craze, and you know. Like as far as all these figures and everything that we collect and everything, they're like, you know, 50 years down the line, is it still going to be relevant? Like, uh, well, you know, tell me to go watch the new Transformers movie. That's all I'll say. That's, that's true. All I'll say that. But, but, um, like, yeah, it's, it's just the, the other main thing is like, we don't want them to be like hostile towards fans and like bitter towards fans if fans don't like it. Like, if the Acolyte comes out after all this and it's like horrible then like they 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 have nobody else to blame but themselves but if it's good it's good we want it to be good we want a roof for it we want it to be fantastic but we'll see what happens yeah like just like like you said with andor andor is not everybody's cup of tea there's and, a lot of um, there's a lot of weird like denial and like bad faith arguments about andor like look i get why people like it but like when you objectively look at that first season at all the episodes, that does not feel like a Star Wars show. And it should feel like a Star Wars show being a titled Star Wars Andor. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? It's seventh in the same universe. That, that was my biggest argument with it. And I, and I keep seeing a lot of these different critics and content creators trying to argue against that. It's like, imagine if something came out in the MCU that did not feel like it belonged there. That's exactly what Andor feels like, at least for some people. And it's like, we would be saying the exact same type of arguments here. It's just, yeah. like, to me... I felt like that show, and also when you the thing that came out about the budget. Did you see this about the budget for Andor? It was like over two hundred fifty million dollars for the entire thing. That's more than the Obi Wan Kenobi show, and it's like, give me a break. Like Obi Wan Kenobi, you're well, getting you Hayden. saw that budget in Obi Wan Kenobi too. You're, you're getting Hayden. You're getting freaking uh, what is it? Uh, everybody else. You know, you to reprise the role, freaking yeah, McGregor. You're getting everybody, and you mean to tell me that didn't have as big a budget as Andor? Are you serious? Like, 
That, and you got you got freaking Liam Neeson to come back as Qui-Gon Jinn. You mean to tell me that show was not getting the budget as much as Andor? That That's a shocking to me. Like, I understand there's economics and different things that go on with uh, making series in Hollywood and all this stuff. But come on now. If I'm an executive, if I'm over there, Lucas, from, uh, if I'm Bob Iger or Kathleen Kennedy, I should be putting more money into the show that I know people are going to go hype over, especially with the biggest parts of Star Wars in it more so than I am Andor. And I think maybe there had to be some other things behind the scenes we just don't know to make that happen like that. It's just too weird for me. Yes, exactly. It's like Netflix has its stranger things. Like that Netflix, like there's a lot of people who are going to be subscribing to Netflix for stranger things. Yeah. And Disney Plus needs to have that with probably Star Wars. I mean, it like, was the Mandalorian. Yeah, it was point. the Mandalorian. Not and no more, I don't think. <laughs> yeah. No, it doesn't. It, after season three, it doesn't have that vibe where it's like, must, you know, I'm going to watch every single episode. But to the fringe fans, you know, like you got to keep them locked in. And, you know, yeah. Stranger Things, they get it and everything. And they throw a bag at that the dragon. Gets it. House of the Dragon for Max or for HBO. Yep. They get it. Like uh, that's their hook for them. But, you yeah. know, we'll see what happens with these shows. Because yeah, the other keep in mind, we didn't even talk about Skeleton Crew. That's another one. That's like, you know, same thing. Like, we'll see what happens. Yeah, they got Jude Law for that. I mean, I'm, I, I, he's a pretty good actor. Like, I'm excited to see what they're going to do with that. That's kind of... That's a good point. That that has been going like so like low key. Like no one's they really had it at celebration. It. They talked about it and they they talked about what it is and so. But the point is, is though, is that like as a franchise, Star Wars is in a weird spot right now with its live action stuff. The games, in my opinion, are being well more received or better received than the stuff with the shows. That just that's just a objective fact. If you don't believe me, go look at the numbers for Andor when people were watching that. It's just not as high. And that's not even coming from me. That's coming from people that are in film that know this stuff, like Grace Randolph, uh, John Campia was talking about it. Kristen Harloff was talking about it. Like, this is stuff that the Hollywood trades have talked about. That's just an objective fact. And no amount of fandom is going to change that. You know, it, it's just that's on Lucasfilm and really to change that. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. It's like <laughs> I, I've said when it, after Andor came out, the, I feel like the, uh, the, the back and forth switched from the sequel trilogy arguments to like Andor is pure art to like, you know, it doesn't feel like star Wars to me. And if people say it doesn't feel like star Wars to me, this end is going to fully attack you for that. It's and just, it's, I hate that argument. And it's, it's so annoying because it's like, look, if it's star Wars, it should feel like star Wars. It should contribute something good to star Wars. That's going to bring everybody on board. Not just this small subsection of people, just because you like something that doesn't feel like star Wars, then maybe you shouldn't be watching star Wars. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it feels weird to even say that. Like, Andor is the same show where the, the showrunner that came out and said, like, there was going to be no Easter eggs and stuff in it. Look what happened when you went to this guy's, like, you know, shop. There's all these Easter eggs in the back. And so I was like, what? Like, yeah. what are we doing here? Like, it's just, it's just really weird. But, but I hate those arguments with Andor specifically. And you're probably going to see the same thing come up with The Acolyte. You're probably going to see the thing, same thing come up with other shows eventually down the line. It's just, look, if it's part of this universe... Like it's really got to be like, feel like it's part of this universe. It could still do its own thing, but like, don't let it feel so indistinct, like from the rest of it. Like, you know what I mean? It's just, yeah. it's weird. My, my one hope for the acolyte <laughs> is that they're not going to try to take the Plagueis story and change it to like different characters and stuff. Like if you're going to tell Plagueis's story, just make it his story because literally you could take the Plagueis novel and yeah. make a movie. I, I was out just of gonna it. say, like, I don't think that's Dark Plagueis. If it is, we have a huge problem then at Lucasfilm because 
I've always said there should be no reason why they just flat out deny the existence of a lot of these stories out there or like they just flat out ignore them. Like people, yeah. they know their fan base loves Plagueis, the novel. They know that their fan base loves Kenobi, the novel, or Tales from Jabba's Palace. Like, you know, there's all these different things. Even, the other one, too, that really gets me mad and, and, and annoyed is the Old Republic. Like, they got, like, the whole, they got the timeline marked on there. But, like, you're going to take place in the High Republic, and you know people want the high, the Old Republic stuff. They want Revan. They want Malik. Like, why would you not capitalize on what, what the heck are you doing? Like you're acknowledging it exists. It's there. It's there. Okay. We get it. So why aren't you doing anything with it? It's just such as a fan seeing some of this stuff could be very frustrating. And then the, the, the excuses is what makes it not that fun to be engaged with. Like you get a lot of content creators online that just make excuses for this company sometimes. And it's really coming from bad faith spots, you know, whether it's because of access, whether it's because of good graces within their friends, their bubble, Whatever the case might be, it's just it's not being objective at what's going on here. I'll I'll pin access as number one is what I'll I say. Think, yeah, I, I would agree. Access and clout. And go, for the record, go, for for anybody that hears this one. and gets mad at us, that's not just us talking about it. You know who said that too? Kristen Harloff talked about that. He talked about something similar with it, like mentioning it in in his Sith Council one time a long time ago. He mentioned that. Yeah, still, I mean, like, it's stupid. Yeah, it's easy. It's easy to have your opinion compromised if you're going to the premieres. Like, there's no doubt about it. I'll even say it myself. If I'm at the red carpet and <laughs> and seeing Star Wars premieres, like I would, you I would be hyped up. Objective with it, and and the thing is, is that they make it difficult for them to not be objective too. Like, it's a known fact that that's been a problem with Lucasfilm PR and other things. That's been like, yo, like you got they 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 play a very very harsh game or strict game, and it's like. I I can understand the the that people need to do it in order to keep the business flowing. I get it, but also there's an inauthenticity with it that comes along with that. That I think the audience are really starting to gravitate towards other people that don't have to deal with that. This is why people like Star Wars Theory. This is why people like Josh from the Den of Nerds, like Rule the Galaxy, like uh, what, what's this guy's name? Um, oh, I think it's Retnay's Holocron. I, I saw some of his videos when when my viral tweet happened. He he did a video that was actually talking about the same subject. And stuff, but I, I watched a bunch of his stuff. He's the same way, you know, just like seeing these things. It's like people want the authenticity because they're 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 the same mindset where they could see something's like off or something's up. So there's yeah. like they don't want they don't want to be constantly lied to if they could see something right in front of their face. Absolutely. I mean, we we have four guys on our podcast regularly where we'll all of us might have a different opinion on something and we all totally get along with each other fine like it's like it's fun to chop it up and disagree sometimes it's okay to do that it doesn't need to get toxic it doesn't need to like go into name calling and like dogpiling like it's like things can There's be too much of that on social media, like Twitter already. Like, and it's, and it's coming from those same people that say they don't want a toxic community, but they're the ones being that like ironic, ain't it? Yes. It's crazy. So one other uh, like thing to pretty much like wrap up things on, I'd say is um, movies. We got movies coming out they're, yes. they're, they're, they're according to Kathleen and star Wars PR, these movies are happening I would hope so for her sake. I mean, yeah. the last time she said this was about with uh, Patty Jenkins going up on an X-Wing. Like I was I ready. What happened? What, what, where, where is it at? Like, come on. Like the thing is, is that 
I feel like they got a little bit much more of a better grasp this time ever since Star Wars Celebration. I, I can tell you that Ray movie's coming out. Well, through hell or high water, that Ray movie is coming it's out. It's happening. Whatever, yeah. whatever it might be, you know, it's still a weird movie to release. I don't understand why you go back to it, especially when you got Dave Filoni working on the movie that's going to tie in all the series together from Disney+. Plus. I don't know why that's not the first one you prioritize. Uh, and then the same thing with the Jedi. Uh, was it the, the Dawn of the Jedi movie? which yes. I, I forgot the, the showrunner's name, like that guy where he talked about it, where it's just like, you know, it, it's just, it's just weird. I, I do hope things get set figured out and these movies start to come out. Cause star Wars needs to be in theaters for a lot of people, yes. but you got to give them something that's going to get them excited. You got to give them, you got to give them something at this point. Yeah. Well, who was it? Was it, was it uh, Lindelof who wrote the, um, David Lindelof. Butcher? Yeah. Lindelof was the one who wrote the Ray tree or it, was it the Ray treatment or was it yeah. the Dawn of the Jedi? He wrote the Ray. Um, he wrote the Ray the script Ray. and apparently said it, he, he personally said himself that the script was so bad that he like handed in his credentials and was like, I'm done. Like, no, it, no. What, what happened was the way that it was explained that, that I saw in a couple of places that he was writing a script that was going to have Ray with it, but it was going to be an older Ray you know, like 60 years in the future. And there was a lot oh. of like other changes and things that want the, was it Lucasfilm or I'm guessing Kathleen wanted to be made because I understood some of the stuff that came up about it. It's like, why would you go so far in the future when you still got Daisy Ridley right there? Like that's a business decision, but also keep in mind that also affects a lot of other creative narrative decisions as well. So maybe that's what he was talking about. It's like, yo, like that totally ruins my whole concept or ruins my whole idea, what I wanted to do when it's turning into this other thing. So maybe that's why he was out. Because keep in mind, they they really talked about him coming to this project to like be a big deal, you know, and then that just again fell through. It it's a shame too, because that's happened so much with Lucasfilm for many different things. And I don't think it's just the business thing. It's really got to be a thing with the way that things are decisions are being made over there. Again, going back to Kathleen Kennedy, and it sucks to say that because people don't like that, but who's the one making the decisions over there? Yeah, it's <laughs> I'm trying to think of uh what Oh, man. That Colin There's Trevorrow a... was supposed to do the the duel of the fates, like his whole thing. He had Ray wielding a double blue blue lightsaber. You know where was that? <laughs> like you, you know something like it's just like a whole bunch of things that I feel yeah. like in the wake of stuff like that with all these other films and these other projects. By the way, we haven't really heard of like she's. I think Kathleen has said that they're in the process, like the Lando series. Like, remember when they announced that and then just disappeared? <laughs> she just keeps saying like, well, we're waiting on, you know, so-and-so because I just saw an article recently where they're just like, is the Ryan Johnson trilogy still happening? And she's like, oh, he's got another, she's like, he's got another Glass Onion movie. And, you know, we're going to be like talking again once that's done. He's really busy. That goes back to my PR comment about Lucasfilm's PR. Like they just got to get a better handling on their public relations and how they talk and how they get some of their people behind the scenes talking. Cause remember Kathleen Kennedy was the one who got on a interview with IGN saying that that whole, it was either, yeah, it was the Kevin Feige film that was people knew about. Cause remember the star Wars show on YouTube, the official star Wars show came out and said that Kevin Feige was making a star Wars movie. And she got on this interview saying that that was never a real thing. It's like, do, do you know what your, your own people were just saying like a couple a year or two ago? Yeah. Like you, you signed off on that. Like, like it, it just looks weird and it looks weird in the worst way possible where it's like, that should have never happened like that. The the thing with Patty Jenkins, if it was never going to be a thing like that, it should have never had that whole big spectacle that they did 
to make that, that will live in, in, in Star that's Wars infamy. infamy. That's <laughs> like that's a major L. Like, uh, I'll tell you right now, the biggest L's I've seen from Lucasfilm, like with a lot of this stuff, is one with the Colin Trevorrow script that he was originally supposed to do the final sequel trilogy film. The Kevin Feige project that apparently was never real, but it was. There, there are people that have talked about it that it was. It was that's a big L because that's the best producer in, in movies right now. The man made the MCU practically, you know? Yep. And and this thing with Patty Jenkins, because Patty Jenkins clearly wanted to do it. She clearly wanted to make this movie. Now, I think in in the long run, that'll be a blessing in disguise because that Rogue Squadron movie doesn't feel like it was actually gonna be the Rogue Squadron we've known from like both the novels and also the games because it was going to be her thing. But still, the fact that you put this whole spectacle at Star Wars Celebration, and then it just completely dropped the ball. It's like, what do you say to that? What what, what can one say after that? Yeah, exactly. And that's why I, I think when we get with Filoni, you know, with, with everything, with all of the Heir to the Empire mentioning and everything mm-hmm. that's been happening. That movie better this- be called Heir to the Empire. I'll tell you right now. I- there- I Every bet you point to it, like if they don't use it, it's like that is like such a layup. Like, and I understand why he's doing it too because he's borrowing elements from that. Keep in mind, mm-hmm. he's talking to the original writer of Air to the Empire, Timothy Zahn. Mm-hmm. Like he, he's he's doing him specifically, you know, Dave Filoni and, and John Favreau too. But really, Dave Filoni is really the one that's making all the right moves for a lot of people when it comes to stuff. And again, being that guy that was actually, you know quote unquote taught or instructed or shadowed George Lucas for a long time. Again, he George Lucas was like around the corner with the Clone Wars. He was around like, you know, giving input and stuff. And that was Dave Filoni's baby, you know, on top of Ahsoka, you know, being his character and stuff. Like yeah. compared to all these other people. Like I think that's the one film that we get a faith in that might actually happen. But I, I like I said, I think through if there's one film that's going to get made through hell or high water and everything else fail, it's going to be the Ray film. Straight up. I really, uh, I would be devastated if Filoni does not get his film because he deserves it. It oh, should what? happen. He a hundred percent deserves that. Like for all the hate that people throw at him for one reason or another in the Star Wars community, he's the one that's actually gotten stuff done and a lot of it and stuff that people remember. People talk about. People talk about watching Clone Wars and Rebels in season yeah. seven of Clone Wars. You know, in the Bad Batch, the Bad Batch was dope this last season. I like, totally really agree. Good surprisingly good like you want to talk about politics and star wars that episode the two-parter with palpatine stuff that's oh how you God. do politics in star wars like not what andor was talking about like that that got everybody interested in that it's like that was clever that was interesting and it's respecting the lore and do all this stuff but again i feel like people have been burnt and really like you know really put off by a lot of the stuff that's happened with the live action stuff for one reason or another and it's a shame if any of those projects just don't happen. I think that they will. Cause I think like, you know, there's stuff behind the scenes that we probably don't know that probably has put like a fire underneath them or has really put them in hot water. Like given all the stuff that's happened up to this point. Cause remember Bob Igar. Uh, yeah. Bob Igar was the one who came out and said like, yo, we're going to really start checking some stuff and moving things and tightening the belt, you know, with whatever's going on with Disney. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure part of that affected Lucasfilm as well. And Jeff Schneider even said that. Jeff Schneider was the one who went on his podcast where he was talking about it with John Roca and said that, yo, there's all this stuff happening with like, you know, Pixar and all these other places. Guess who else is on that list that that's going to be getting a phone call or getting a visit from big boy, Bob Igar, like, you know, yeah. so I, I would not be surprised. Yeah. It, it feels like Disney is getting stuck in the place that they were the, uh, right, right before Bob Iger became the CEO and then he launched it. 
And then it's like, I don't know. I felt like they went into a, um, uh, what's the saying for it? Oh my God. I'm like drawing a blank here. They, they just started putting out a ton of content and not caring about his own. Yeah. They, they just like, I don't know. Disney, Disney. It's weird. Like it's weird to even talk about it sometimes. Everybody else out there has their opinions about this, and it's like no matter what your opinion you have, you're you're a bad person for having that opinion. And it's weird to talk about it because uh, we we could objectively look at this stuff and be like, look, this is what it is. Disney right now is doing kind of in a weird spot, even after the Little Mermaid. And I like the Little Mermaid. It just came out, but apparently it wasn't doing that well in the box office, and it's doing starting to affect certain things within that company. Keep in mind also, we just lost the Star Cruiser. That yeah. got shut down. That's another major L. Like they should that statement. I'm sorry. That's one of the worst PR statements I've seen for a while. They know it's an L. Like it's this is like okay. Like we we're learning from this. Like yeah, really. You think that everybody was telling you this for like the last like under a year that it was around? Yeah. Like, come on. Like yeah, we called that very early on. Everybody called it. Everybody, everybody was like Babe Ruth and saw that one coming. Oh, like they I know. put it out from the sky. Like the there was no way. And then when you pair that up with some of the other stuff about galaxy's edge, you know, and certain things about it that during its construction and stuff, by the way, that is known publicly about the concepts for galaxy's edge. It was going to be original trilogy. Like when you pair all that stuff up together, it does not paint a good picture. No, I agree. And, and that's when you realize that you need to, you need to find a way to connect to your fan base. When you have this incredible star Wars experience. And as you said, everybody was Babe Ruth and it just being like, Oh, this thing is, this thing is toast off the rip. Like it's not happening. Yeah. Uh, some of the most diehard star Wars people I know, like not like that. You have your people like star Wars theory, Josh, and, and like a lot of other content creators out there that a lot of them were really put off and they all said the same exact thing we were saying, but I've known people that are just like not content creators that are like maybe cosplayers or business people that love star Wars with a passion buy stuff. They spend money on this. They're like, hell no, hell no. I'd rather go to scum and villainy, the cantina in, in California and spend money like that for the price that like the, the you're going to get for two days this place like ARG or not like this is not this is not it <laughs> yeah I think studios are learning some lessons with fandoms and I think I think Star Wars is getting to that point I, in my opinion I here's the thing I thought Kenobi was going to be a banger and it, yeah, everybody honestly, honestly everybody it turned out to probably be like my least fate it had moments don't get me wrong the moments yeah. hit the moments hit when they needed to and I, yep. I felt it but there, that was maybe 10% of the show when those moments hit 90% yeah. of the show. Honestly, like I didn't mind the young princess Leia. I thought that young actress was great as her. I thought she was fine. <laughs> I, I just thought like quality wise of the show and everything, like you're talking about budget wise, like who the hell is thinking about putting a bigger budget towards Andor when you no have... wonder they were smacking stormtrooper helmets and that they were hiding people underneath cloaks and stuff like yeah. that, that. Maybe the extra couple million dollars from this show could have gone to this show and they could have fixed that in the script. Yeah. You know what you I'm saying? Two like core actors from your franchise back yeah. years later. Yeah. Like they should have spent the money and probably did some more stuff with the sound stage or whatever the volume it's called yeah. to get out of the vibe, whatever. The point is, is that 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 was another thing that just like people, people were ready and it was such a disappointment. Like the fact that's a cold heart fact. A lot of people swear up and down that that show is good and it's not like there, there's some of the worst things with the, all the Disney plus Star Wars shows are in that show specifically, yeah. like as far as filmmaking is concerned, not just Lauren story, which Lauren story, that's a whole other conversation. But like, 
A lot of that stuff that it should have never been an L. It, it, it everybody thought it was going to be a W. It was a big L yeah. for them. Yeah, I just like my my thoughts are I really think this Ahsoka show is going to be good. I just have a very good feeling about it. Um, I'm going to start hitting. I Rebels is the only like Star Wars show that exists that I really have not fully dove into. And that's like really? crazy. I've watched two seasons. You've watched of Resistance it. more than you did Rebels? No, no. Actually, I didn't watch <laughs> Resistance at all. I've watched zero. I've logged zero minutes of Resistance. I've watched a actually. little bit of it. It's like you're not missing much, Brie. Like, it's Brent, okay. Brent on our podcast watched that. But um, oh, man. Uh, yeah, and you could probably go back to like the Ewok shows and stuff like that. I've okay, but that, that's classic. Though. That's <laughs> like that's that gets a pass because it's not really Star Wars, but it's just kind of there. It's like a little teddy bear. It's just there. Yeah, <laughs> I need to finish. Uh, I need to finish Rebels, and I know the characters in it. I know what happens at the end of it, which is not a problem. Like I've mm. talked, to, I I know what's coming, but I just need to piece some things together. And it's like Clone Wars. I was late to the game. I didn't watch Clone Wars till like three years ago honestly so yeah i was late to clone wars as well but like i ended up binging like all of it at practically at one yeah. point and then obviously season seven but like rebels is, a, is another good one because again it's a blend of new and old like prequel and, and original trilogy with some new concepts and ideas injected into it so it's all it's a blend of everything which is yeah. good because that's a show again like clone wars but really rebels has a real big respect for the original trilogy it really does and not just because of james Earl jones not because of the actor that was doing the alec guinness impression and all that stuff but there's a lot of other things within that show that you will love as an original trilogy fan you're gonna love that show that show yeah. is awesome and that again that's dave filoni doing that like making sure that show is like that yep and and that's why i'm just gonna i'm going in with the hope that we have ahsoka banger and then heir to the empire name announcement for the movie oh, and that's that a banger that'd be amazing <laughs> and then they realize hey like you know this really gives a lot of shout outs to the lore of like the novels and like a lot of these original stories and it made a billion dollars in the box office like maybe we should uh go this direction a little bit with things you know like there you go. Do a Plagueis movie. Have a young Palpatine in that movie. It would I'm be still surprised banger. they haven't even done that. Like, absolutely. Why banger. would you not do that? Like, it, that is one of the most beloved Star Wars novels. Period. Like, there's a couple of novels I could think of off the top of my head that are like beloved. That like, granted, they're legends, you know, or at least you know, a chunk of them are legends and stuff. Like Plagueis, Darth Bane, the Darth, the whole Darth Bane trilogy, Shadows of the Empire. Uh, the, the novelization of Revenge of the Sith is like looked at as like probably like the one canon like novel from like certain stuff that's pulled from it. Like again, there, there's a lot of things that I feel like they could always go back into and really utilize, and they just choose not to. And I think that's so dumb. I think that's such yeah. a such a, a lost like opportunity. The answers are in front of them. We we just need to hope that they understand that now now if dave filoni comes on it's like okay guys I, I did all this stuff with ahsoka now let's go do now let's go do darth bane or darth plagueis and stuff i'm all in Dude, what are you kidding me are you kidding me the star wars fans would do a backflip like i don't care how much you dislike dave filoni he does something like that it's over yeah yeah because here's the thing thrawn is coming now and there's a lot of new star wars fans who are going to see thrawn for the first time because yeah. Like I have friends who watch Mandalorian and all these things. They'll be watching Ahsoka. They have no clue who Thrawn is. They don't yeah. know who he is. And one thing Star Wars has always had is Star Wars has always always had a big bad. You've always had Darth Vader, 
Uh, you know, you've had Anakin turning to the dark side, but you had Palpatine even more so in the prequel trilogy. You have that big bad. And that's one thing that needs to come with this Mandalorian universe is the the big bad that's going on. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's it'll, it, it'll be exciting to to have that culmination happen. That's why I think that's why I think Mando season three suffered a little bit because some of these big plot points are going to be showing up in Ahsoka to tell this even bigger story that's going to happen. And that's why, that's why we saw Zeb in the Mandalorian because those universes are going to start coming together. I think you're going to get what you're going to get the shot of like all the rebels people together in Ahsoka. I think at some point, like you're going to get that shot that we should have got with the original trilogy characters and the sequels, like straight up. Yeah, it's it, it'll it'll be it'll be sweet when it happens, man. I'm excited for it. I think it's gonna so. be cool. it's gonna be dope. I'm looking forward to it. It's gonna be fun. And the people that they got for it, you know, a lot of the actors and the actresses and stuff. Uh, what's it called? Um, what is it? Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka. I'm a big yeah. Rosario Dawson fan. I think I she's Rosario Dawson. Great. Dawson is awesome. She she has a, a she's like Ashley Eckstein. Like just got a reverence for that character. Like yeah, she, she's really come into it. And really got a lot of respect for the fans. You know, it's awesome to see That's that. That's what um th- one of the guys that I triple C, uh, his name is Headless Ned Stark. Shout out to him. We had him on our podcast fairly recently. Um, he uh oh Dr. Squatch is in here. Dr. Squatch always Dr. Squatch. What's going on, Dr. Squatch? The Wookiee Doc. I can imagine a Wookiee with a with a <laughs> with the cologne helmet. Dr. Squatch. He's, he's the Wookiee doctor. He's the medical officer in the, yep. the Wookiee home camp on Kashyyyk. He's got the best. He's got the best profile picture out there. Dr. Somebody, somebody get in touch with Dave Filoni. We need some lore for this. Doctor Squatch coming into canon soon. <laughs> he was telling me though. He's like he's he's met a ton of people at conventions, celebrities, and he always like he really chops it up with them and tries to talk to them and 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 does interviews and everything. And he said by far the two nicest celebrities have ever met ashley Eckstein, rosario dawson yeah ashley Eckstein is a, is a treasure she like if you remember when she was at star wars celebration she had that moment she was crying because she didn't really get the cameo in the ahsoka series which i felt for that i was like damn why why wouldn't they like at least do something you know mm-hmm. like that but keep in mind they're gonna have ahsoka in probably a flashback so i mean if they got the act a young act to play they could still use ashley's voice i'm just i'm just saying like if they really they really want to make Star Wars fans have a moment. <laughs> oh, I know. I I'm gonna tell you right now, people are gonna be crying in the streets if there's a moment where like Ahsoka has a moment either with Luke or with uh, Anakin at some point in that show. Oh my god, oh, people, they're gonna be, Twitter Twitter's gonna Star Wars Twitter's gonna shut down. <laughs> it's, <laughs> because it's they're gonna, all crying over it. He's I I I think it's gonna happen. I think Hangman's in the show. Happen. He's confirmed. Oh, I know. I know. Whoa. I know. Okay. I can't wait to see the difference between Hayden Christensen and this show compared to the Kenobi show. Oh my and, god! And, what and the treat the treatment of him as a character? Because what? No, oh no, no. God. Like, no offense to Deborah Chow either, because she's directed a lot of good Mandalorian episodes and everything. Yeah, but she didn't too, write. And... She didn't write the series. Like a lot of people yeah. were unfair to Deborah Chow. I, I felt like. A lot of people, I understand the direction is a part of the movie making process or the uh, series making process. And some of those decisions that she has to take some blame from. Okay. Like slapping the stormtrooper helmet. That should have never been thing. That should have been a call by her to like, nah, I have that. Cause it looks stupid on film. Yeah. But like she didn't write those scripts. She, she directed them. Like, you know, the show, like there's other writers that wrote those scripts. Exactly. So I, I just have a good, I just have a very good vibe for it. So. 
Yeah. I hit everything on my list, honestly, for tonight, man. I mean, we covered a ton of topics. I mean, mm. we hit uh, we hit Outlaws heavy in the beginning. And if you guys didn't check out our YouTube on that, definitely go check it out. If you're if you're a fan of gaming and even if you're like a fringe gamer and you just like playing these Star Wars games because they're just fun to play. I mean, mm-hmm. they really are. They're great. I mean, I'm still playing Jedi Survivor. Haven't finished it yet. I wish I got a review talk- for it already out. I know. I wish YouTube. we could talk spoilers on it and everything because. This, the game storyline is not spoiled for me still. I still don't know where it's going. Oh, I'm okay. only on, uh, I think I think I'm on third planet right now on that game. But like, I, 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 as I told you on the side, it's like I had like right when that game came out, my schedule was like crazy. And it's like I just wasn't hitting it at night as much as I usually would. Hmm. So and I, that freaking rancor, man. That first rancor that you had to fight, that that's a difficulty jump right there. You think that's bad? I think it's, it's not a spoiler, but like there's a fight where you have to fight two of them. <laughs> that's that one. That'll when you get stronger and you get other abilities and stuff, it makes it a little bit easier, but it's still a ch- challenging as hell fight. Like that, that game is not easy. Like, he especially some of the, some of the later like, fights are harder. Like, you think that's bad. Wait till you get later into the game story. Like, there's some tough ones. It's really cool though. So far, I'm loving what they're doing with Cal's character and like where where like uh, the crew was kind of like dispersed around. I mean, I can't believe again the amount of High Republic shoutouts that. Yeah, you know something. I, I even said it in my review. I really feel like they were trying super hard to get people to like the High Republic because yes. I even said it would make so much more sense if it was Old Republic. It, it would have more weight to it. But I understand why they went with High Republic because it's a little bit closer to the time frame of when that stuff would be around. Because Old Republic is four thousand years prior to it, so a lot of that stuff, the structures wouldn't even be there. Like degradation, yeah. like it just logic, it doesn't make any sense. But with the High Republic, they have it there. I just don't think they do enough with the story stuff to make you like understand what was so important about the High Republic. Like yeah. you don't know. And some of those flashbacks, I, I think by the time you've seen them, there's certain flashbacks to the High Republic there where they don't explain like certain characters or enemies and other stuff that are going on within the Jedi order at that time frame. So you don't really get that. You have to read those novels to get that. And that's just way too much to get that small little snippet out of that. Yeah. That's like, they're, they're not in, I'm not in line to do the high Republic novels. I mean, we've had Jess, um, Duchess dark saber light. She's done all of the high Republic books. She knows them like the back of her hand, huge fan. I just, uh, I don't know. I just haven't gotten to them. I don't know. If I, I chose not I to, yeah. honestly. Like, I heard about it. I saw some of the stuff, especially with the Rock character. And I was like, nah. Like, this just doesn't. What I am hoping, though, is that eventually when it comes out, Star Wars Eclipse takes place in the High Republic era. That was going to yeah. be the game that, for some people, that's going to be their introduction into the High Republic outside of the novels and the comics. So even though that's not going to be out for a while, we're probably not going to see that game for a long time, but that's going to be the one that probably gets me a little bit more into it. But yeah. still, like, I, I feel like that era of Star Wars, like, there should be other things, like, in other media, like what they did in Jedi Survivor, to really kind of make us, like, be intrigued by it, because I felt like the books and stuff weren't really going to do it for me. Yeah, on, on the Star Wars vision board, there's no doubt that there is a High Republic post-it sitting, like, pretty high, because you got this um, Jedi Adventures, which is the kid show that takes place, and uh, High yeah, Republic. but that's like a that's like a side thing. You can't really like look at that like canon or I I know, but it, I know that, but it is still High Republic. That's like I'm I'm just like I'm just saying it's like you could have made like a, a Star cool. Wars kid show like anywhere technically. Yeah, true. And you're choosing High Republic for it to be that 
specifically. <laughs> yeah, like that might be like a lot of kids that 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 might be like a new generation's entrance point to Star you know, Wars. I, mean, I don't even I don't even think it would be that great because like a, a lot of the a lot of the stuff for the High Republic that I've seen that again not reading the books or anything have not appealed to me. Like there was a yeah. whole High Republic like like fashion show or something that I saw come up from the comics. I was like, what the hell is this? Like it just it was so random and it just put me off so much from seeing that. On top of like again the rock character that's in there, I think it's called Geode or whatever. Then there's the ship called the Vessel, which makes no sense to me. Geode that doesn't even sound Star Wars. But again, judging the book by its cover, I'm only judging it from a far distance like that because I'm not engaged with those stories. But hopefully, yeah. there's other things down the line that come up that maybe get me a little bit much more okay with it. But as it is right now, I'd rather just spend time in this post Return of the Jedi era or yeah. any of the other like eras. Which again is okay. Star Wars is like Shrek. It, it's like the onion. It has layers. Star yeah, Wars layers. has layers. You can be a fan of High Republic, and I could be a fan of original trilogy, and it can be. And totally we might have okay. another one soon. Because I mean, besides Old Republic, we might have that Dawn of the Jedi era that might actually be cool. Because remember, in Legends, that era is more like proto sabers, like viral blades, like like very early versions of what the Je- Jedi, like the Jedi were, you know, for different characters like that, or what the Force was. know for a lot of the stuff in that universe so that might actually be kind of cool i mean that's where you get more to kind of like to me it kind of reminds me a little bit of dune in a sense but be kind of like that but who knows my my goal for that is that they land like a super top tier star to be that like first jedi like a christian bale or leonardo dicaprio like Mm. i i want them to land like big time actor or actress i mean i don't know which way it's going to go if there's going to be multiple Jedi, like I just want it to be like really top tier when it comes to that, because that's going to be a hell of a role to play. They said it's going to be a biblical story. It's going to be a biblical take type of story. So like something along the lines, like the 10 commandments or Jesus of Nazareth. So they make it like that, but apply with like the force and like, you know, having that one central character that's like, okay, this is the very first Jedi, you know, there's, there's the Jedi or whatever other organizations are there, but this is the very first Jedi that we know of like maybe I, maybe I, it'll be yeah. matthew mcconaughey Imagine yeah, right. that. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing with this thing like here, you know <laughs> whoa oh, <laughs> that'll be that'll be weird that's the other thing too i feel like maybe they should even go with unknowns because like like i was writing in my article about celebrities like sometimes the celebrity and the, the fame fame of that celebrity overshadows the part that was one of the big reasons why with george lucas he didn't cast michael jackson as jar jar banks because michael jackson was just too famous and then, like, Dude, I didn't know about that story till like, Dude, yeah, that, that's an infamous ago. story that he, that George Lucas talked about, like, you know, and, and the other one too was Tupac. Tupac was actually originally supposed to be in the Jedi council for a Phantom Menace. I think it was, you know, before he passed, like it's, it's pretty crazy. Like he could have been Mace Windu when you think about it, like, you know, yeah, that's, that's pretty wild. wild. That's incredible. Yeah. I did not know about that Jar Jar story until we were doing a podcast and Steve Glosson was telling the story about, when George introduced Ahmed Best to Michael Jackson and yep. said, this is going to play Jar Jar. And, yep. and Michael Jackson was just like, he looked him up and down and was just like, not a fan of him. And well, like, walked keep in away. mind, it's Michael Jackson. And you, I you know. think more like, yo, my story, everything man. I want. Like, but I think George was smart enough to do that. And I think it was a smart decision because if we, that would have happened, Jar Jar would have been just Michael Jackson. It would have just been yeah. Michael Jackson and Star Wars. And I think George was smart enough to be like, no, we can't have that because we want people to be immersed in this universe, immersed in this world like that. It was, it was a smart, smart decision. 
True. No, I, I totally agree with that. So is there going to be a special popcorn at the uh, Batman premiere tomorrow? That's my question. Oh, the, the Flash? I didn't see any. Or the any... Flash, yeah. I'm calling it Batman. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty <laughs> much, for me, it's Batman. Yeah. Michael Keane coming back as Batman. Like, and again, I, I've already seen it, but the only reason why I'm going again to see it is because there's other stuff that's going to be in this version that wasn't in my version. So the credits, the after credits, and whatever the ending stinger is with it, because apparently there is something there that they've talked about in various places that I haven't seen yet. But also, I didn't see an AMC popcorn tent for this movie. Maybe there is, maybe there isn't. I know the the real cool ones that I saw recently was the Transformers one for that Transformers was dope, of these. That they had the the helmets for bump, yeah, for Optimus Prime. And then they also had the Optimus Prime like truck mode that yeah. you could hold the drink and popcorn in. That was crazy. Yeah, it's got the straws as the freaking exhaust yep. for the and the uh, Spider-Man, the Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse ones were actually pretty good. I saw them both, the Gwen and the Miles one. Those yeah. are pretty good. The Gremlin was huge. It was like really beefy. Dude, I'll see those movies like two days after release and they're gone, dude. Those, yeah. those Oh, no, those they're gone that first day. I, yeah. I saw when I went, I didn't get one, but I held it there for the TikTok video and stuff. There were there was a lot of people buying them up, just scooping them up, buying each one. Those are like $20, $30 a pop for those yeah, without they're, popcorn. They're no joke. They're no yeah. joke. I see, I see the Mario one in your back. Yeah, that, that one I got. I wanted that one, man. I got I that one that. and I got, uh, what was it? Though You can't see it here, but I got the cowl for the Batman. That, that one, one is sick too. Yeah, that one I got, and I also got the Jurassic Park one for Jurassic World, dominate. Do, yeah, Jurassic World Dominion, and uh, I think that's the only other ones that I have here because I have other ones like I have the Rogue One, the Star Wars story one with the Empire on it that it just says Star Wars Rogue One, like that. Not a Star Wars story; it's the original logo that they had. But um, yeah, they actually have good popcorns. And the 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 freaking Fast X one was weird, <laughs> like it was the it was the muscle car that Dominic Toretto drives. Like okay. it had that one. It, it just looked like the popcorn couldn't fit in it. Just, I was gonna say you probably don't get much popcorn value inside that. I was thinking that, that with one. the Optimus Prime truck too. You might not oh, yeah. get that much. No, popcorn the Optimus Prime one, you do, and the drink because it holds the drink and the popcorn. In yeah, that. and the the Mario one obviously because it's like pretty big. Yeah, you could load oh, that yeah. thing up, man. That mm-hmm. that would be perfect. I, I wanted yeah. that. I wanted that. So one thing I do get though at the movie theater specifically for AMC is the specialty drinks, like certain drinks. Will get popped up. They'll get made as like you know, special like you know, alcoholic beverages. Yeah, like the, the Avatar movie. one and well, everything. Yeah, the, the Avatar one I didn't get because they didn't have the sparkle stuff that they could put into it because there was no point to get the drink if you didn't have like the full thing. Like oh, I did man. get the what is it, the Guardians of the Galaxy one where they actually put like sour, uh, was it sour uh, worms in it, which was supposed to be sour candy that was like the different like galaxy things, but they didn't have it at the the theater at the time, so they gave me sour uh, was it worms in it to fill like the same void i did the black panther one called the eternal spirit that was pretty good the doctor strange one that was pretty good that had like a spice thing to it oh there was one also i believe it was for uh yeah it was for uh fast x but it wasn't an alcoholic beverage it was called the toretto twist which is just two sodas mixed together it was really whack it's called (laughs) the same of the soda and then uh one of the other ones that i remember that was oh the batman there was two drinks for the batman there was the the batman themed one which was like a bluish uh tint and then there was a Catwoman themes one. Then I got both like that just to have it. Yeah, that's pretty freaking awesome, dude. I like yeah. that. That just adds to the experience. I mean, I, I've seen the uh, the ads for those drinks and everything, and I think it's awesome. Some of them aren't always as good as like what they're advertised, but at least you know some of them are pretty good. I'll admit, yeah. like for what you pay for some of them, like I would hope they would be good. Like some of them are like twelve, thirteen dollars, maybe fifteen dollars for the drink, like because of what they have in it. Like they have like pretty good, like you know, rum or tequila. 
or, or anything like that. Absolutely, dude. It makes it makes the experience that much better. Oh, so the other one that I got was the knockout. That was for Creed three. Oh, had, there you uh, go. Hennessy in it. I remember that. that. That was actually pretty good. I watched that. I had that while while I was seeing the movie. Dude, the Flash has to have a drink tomorrow. Dude, you know what? Remember, I could check drink. right now. You know, AMC. Watch. I'm gonna look right now because if they have it, they'll have it on the app here that I could just look at it and it'll say for me. Hopefully, um, the drink is not called Ezra Miller in Hawaii. That would be oh a bad God. drink. <laughs> The Ezra Miller Smackdown. No, not Smackdown. The Ezra Miller Chokeout. Yeah. Jesus Christ. That'd be horrible. Ezra Miller witnessing someone do karaoke. Oh, God. That, that, that'd be really... Whoops. I had the wrong thing. I almost, almost got it here. Uh, there it is. Uh, future drinks. Uh, do they have any? Mm, nope. Damn. None, none right now. Because the last one that they had was the Guardians of the Galaxy volume three one See, if they were smart they would do like a batman 89 drink like uh like you could easily come up with. i go tomorrow and they got a batman themed drink for the flash i'm getting it i don't care like i'll do i'll, I'll put it on a uh, twitter or tiktok be like, i'll be yes. looking for the uh i'll be looking for the tiktok well like, yeah uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna like i always do when i go to the theaters i always do a tiktok whenever it pops up whenever i go to the theater because i did it for yeah the last one i did it was for the little mermaid that I did. Yep. And your across the spider verse one was across the spider verse. That's right. A a banger as well. I I really enjoyed that one. Cause you really, you hit on like all the different points of like going into the theater and seeing the movie. I like that stuff because it just promotes making it fun to go to the movies, man. This is why AMC needs to sponsor me and stop playing around. Cause I go around AMC there. My friend, uh, solo, she actually, uh, what is it? So put in the comments, she'll tag AMC and be like, yo, it's AMC. What's good? Well, you did numbers on that across the Spider Verse one. I mean, honestly, that's better than the other ones. Like, I was hoping the Little Mermaid one would do good. Like, I don't, I want to do bigger numbers with some of my stuff, especially when I talk movies. Like, it doesn't always get big. Like, when I did a review for Across the Spider Verse, and I also did the review for Little Mermaid, they did, they did pretty much better, you know, than normal. Like, the the one that didn't do as well was Guardians of the Galaxy, which maybe everybody was just kind of sick of the the Marvel stuff. And uh, I think, yeah, was that the other one? Yeah, I think that was the only other one recently that I'd yeah. seen that I did a review. What's on. weird is Guardians made its money, but like I'm always like figure hunting. I go to Target, dude. Marvel Legends, they're they're like similar to the Star Wars Black Series figures. Mm-hmm. All of the Guardians of the Galaxy figures are on clearance and they're just all on Yeah, the nobody show. wants them. Like yeah. no the funny thing is like a lot of those figures, especially the Marvel figures, I don't see a lot of people buying them. Like I see people buy Star Wars stuff, like not like certain Star Wars stuff. I see people buy Mario movie stuff. I see people buy Sonic the Hedgehog movie stuff. Yeah. Um, Little, Little Mermaid. Well, I don't really go to like the kids, like girl section and stuff, but I would assume also be the same thing with the Little Mermaid. You yeah. Because there was a lot of people rolling around with like Little Mermaid merchandise and things like that. Also, the the popcorn bucket that for Little Mermaid had a light up thing. When I went, I remember there was this older woman that I saw that's like a huge Little Mermaid fan that she was there. She got the popcorn bucket and it lit up like fluorescently and had a whole bunch of stuff with it. Yeah, I, I love that stuff. I love like paying attention to merch sales and everything like um, uh, Wakanda Forever. Like a lot of that stuff yeah, didn't sell as one. much like the, a lot of that stuff stayed on the shelves, which like, mm-hmm. you know, I enjoyed that movie and everything. But just for some reason, the merch like just really didn't do that well. It's and, a depressing uh, I, movie. That's probably why. Like the movie yeah, itself is kind of kids. Depressing. It's sad. Yeah. Yeah. And, like and uh, you know what's wrong with that? The Marvel Legends uh Black Panther helmet. 
for the the yeah the, the it's not the black suit but it's the marvel legends one that you have for black yep. panther that's purple that like thing that. is wild dude. that and also i think shuri's version i think there's one for her that also so because i see that all the time and i see people wearing it so it's pretty good yeah they have they had those on the shelves in my target which i think they got overstocked because they were 120 dollars, and they put them on sale for 50 bucks dude oh and there was God. Dude, there was a shelf of like 20 of them for 50, 50 bucks a piece. I and wish. I was sitting there looking at it. I'm like, I would have bought one. Oh my I'm like, God. I could buy this tech. I could technically like drop some money and buy all of these. And then like a couple years down the line, probably you like an eBay seller would have lost their mind, which I'm pretty yeah, sure they time. did. There's, there's one in my game. There, I mean, there's a, a GameStop that I go to and they have a Darth Vader Obi-Wan Kenobi like Black Series helmet that I'll keep looking at. It's like, it's got a price. It went down a little bit. I'm waiting for it because I'm really thinking about pulling the trigger on it. Dude, that thing is worth the price because that you can put that on. You put the like voice a module, neck right? piece. Yeah. You put it like a neck piece on, then you put the, the head piece on and then the yeah. top shield comes over. And then it goes. Yeah. yeah. I heard about, I saw theories unboxing of that. I was like, oh, that's actually kind of cool. But yeah. I keep looking at it because it's there. And I'm like, huh, I really am thinking, I see that and the Death Squad. Yeah, the, yeah, the Death Squad one for yep. Mandalorian. That's what, I mean, that's what this is right here is the. Uh, oh, is that Mando or is that the Death Squad one? The blue one. This is, is, one this, is this is Mando, but this yeah, is still Mando. the Black Series. And it's like yeah. the quality that they put into these. It's got the lights. When you turn it upside down, it lights up red inside mm. of it. It's got like the leather cool. looking detail inside of it. It's like they don't spare. They're worth, they're worth the money in my opinion, because now the figures are just jumping up in price. Like you'll pay $30 now for a figure. And mm -hmm. it's like, Oh, if you pay $70 more, you could have a movie quality helmet. Like, yeah. which is crazy. There, there's like stormtrooper versions too, that I keep seeing it yep. pop up every once in a while that I'm pretty sure the 501st Legion it's gonna be on top of that. Is they don't have to make as many. Yeah, phase two, phase two clone troopers in yeah, my target that's right what now. I saw. Mm -hmm. So this is, this is dope. Yeah, but but where they drop the ball with Guardians is they put every character in those same like jumpsuits. So mm. there's no all, the only variation between characters is like body size and just their head mold being on it, mm. and it's just all the same suits that they're all wearing. So like. There's no like uniqueness to each character, I'll say. Yeah. So that makes sense. I mean, yeah. it, it sucks, but it is what it is. <laughs> well, we could hit this stuff all night, man. I mean, we 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 had a nice long one tonight. I mean, I enjoyed every minute of it. Uh, why don't you let everybody everybody know where they can find you as usual, and uh, you know, talk about uh, what you do one more time before we end this thing. Yeah, sure. So everybody could follow me over on YouTube, youtube.com slash at Jake James Lugo. You could also follow me on Twitter at Jake James Lugo. <laughs> uh, at Jake James Lugo on Twitter. I'm constantly uploading new videos on YouTube about games, uh, high quality, highly edited uh, reviews, uh, let's plays. I just did a thing recently within the last few days. I did not only my demo impressions of Final Fantasy 16 for the Final Fantasy 16 demo comes out very soon. Can't wait to play it. Uh, and also my video review of Street Fighter 6, my full review of it, and had a lot to say about the game, was waiting for that for a long time and finally got it done, even though it's a little bit late after the release of the game, but still, like there was so much to talk about. Uh, same thing with uh, YouTube Shorts that are on there. I'm constantly up uploading YouTube Shorts for everybody to check out. I'm trying to get more people to see them, just like I'm trying to get more people to see me on uh, TikTok, youtube.com slash at Jake James Lugo on TikTok. Oh, not YouTube. TikTok.com slash at Jake James Lugo. That's where I'm on there. Every single day, 
new posts, new videos for TikTok about games, Star Wars, movies, all types of stuff. Today, I was even talking about Star Wars Outlaws, the Kotaku article about Star Wars Outlaws, uh, Hexen, if you guys know the game Hexen 64, because uh, Phil Spencer was wearing a Hexen t-shirt during the Xbox game uh, showcase. And uh, also, uh, I talked a little bit about Star Wars Battlefront 2, which was the better Star Wars Battlefront 2, the original or the remake from uh, EA in 2017. Oh, so that's a damn good of, one right there. Yeah, there are a lot of comments so far. So we need more comments in there from people to, to talk about it. But uh, uh, again, also, you could also find me on Instagram at Jake James Lugo. You could, uh, subscribe over to my Patreon, patreon.com slash Jake James Lugo. Uh, exclusive content, early access to new videos, other stuff that you guys definitely want to check out. It's, you know, a whole bunch of extra content that I do everybody and also you could find my articles over on clownfish tv i'm writing articles every single week uh new reviews new news posts movie reviews all types of stuff i'm constantly sharing content all the time there's a lot if you're big into star wars you're big into games you're big into movies i got you covered definitely show some love when you can absolutely and i will i'll vouch for it i mean like as far as gaming news goes and everything i just pretty much rely on you for any of that information because honestly to me it's easier to just go directly to that one source where i know i know it's if if i'm hearing about some news i go to your channel it's there like you're you're on you're on your you're on your stuff so i always appreciate those posts and everything you're always posting good content i look forward to it and i always enjoy having you on this podcast i like that we can kind of come together every time you're on here we might have some hot takes whatever but you know it is what it is we're we're just we're just hitting our opinion talking star wars having some fun yeah the one thing i'm surprised we didn't talk about because we talked about it briefly a while back was the 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 viral tweet that i had about gray jedi (laughs) oh i know (laughs) we're gonna have have to talk about that another time because that that was a an ordeal of reactions yeah that's an entire debate actually which your tweet proved literally literally it was the most popular tweet for like three days. <laughs> I got to say too, and I'll like, I'll lightly hit on it. The one that surprised me was like when people were like, well, weren't like Qui-Gon and Ahsoka gray Jedi. And it's like, well, you need to like turn to the dark side technically like to. The, to- the way that it was explained to me and, and from what I saw from like Retinace Holocron on his YouTube video. And I saw another person on TikTok actually break this down real, right, real good. Balance. The state of balance is light side. That's the natural state of things. Once the dark side gets used or comes into influence, that's a corruption of that balance. That's when you tip towards the dark side. But if you're, things are in balance and you're not messing around with people, you're not being a jerk, you're not being at it for your own like selfish things, you're light side. There is no in-between from there because everything in its natural state and balance is light side. That's how, that's how it always goes. And when you use the dark side, when you use force lightning, when you corrupt people, when you try to choke people, you, you're tapping into the dark side. That's making you become more corrupt at your core, you know, and the way to me that makes sense. And you know who also explained that really beautifully in a comicbook.com article? George Lucas himself. There's an interview that Red Nate's Holocron actually pulled up in his video that actually shows George Lucas talking about how the force works. And it's literally like right there. But again, we, are the, we sure he's a credible source uh, for yeah, Star right? Wars? So. <laughs> Can we trust George Lucas to be credible, credible about Star Wars lore? <laughs> it's so. That's a whole, like I said, that's a whole other conversation because a lot of the things that I got brought up in that thread, if you ever take a look at it, or the 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 quote tweets, a lot of the stuff brought up was really in bad faith and going to examples that were disproven by George Lucas and other people that were easily disproved, but people keep harping on it. It's like, 
This argument's never going to end. This debate's never going to end. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna side with George Lucas on this one. That, that's how I felt. <laughs> exactly how I felt. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go trust this guy who created all this. Yeah, exactly. I'm not gonna tell the guy who made it that he's wrong about what he made. Right. I love it. I love it. So that wraps up. Uh, I think this is probably might be episode one or two ten of Rule the Galaxy podcast. I think we're around that area. I know Joe's done some sideshows and everything, but this was a fun one. And I, I know that we have some friends across the pond who look forward to our episodes uh, that we do together. I know I've seen that on Twitter. So shout out to those guys over. And uh, I think it was one of our followers in London actually uh, said he likes when we do our episodes together, chat gaming, Thanks, chat movies overall. He's so. another banger for you. Absolutely. We, we, we threw a lot into this one and honestly it's there. There's not much filler in it. It's all, it's all it's all uh, straight up potato, high quality baby. good stuff <laughs> i love it so from d doc from jake james lugo we appreciate you guys listening to rule of the galaxy podcast and until next time may the force be with you ciao